The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Just gotta, uh, you know, make sure that you saw the whereabout is up to date. Is that what you just did? <laughs> I can't believe they woke you up at 5.30 in the fucking morning. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. They don't care. But that's not even not caring. That's like negligent. It's like if you're if you have an athlete and the athlete has to rest and recover and you're waking them up at 5:30 in the morning, you break their sleep cycle. You're affecting their training. You could cause an injury. You could do, a lot of shit could be wrong. But I think for them it's um it, it's oh well, we're we're try- I don't well I don't know cuz I'm not them. But, you know, I think some people fighters feel like oh it's their oh we're going to catch them. Yeah. It's 5:30 in the morning we're going to catch them before they do anything, which is well, Ali was saying stupid. that it's EPO, that it's like short-lasting. So if people take it and they take it at night, it'll yeah. be out of their system by the time USADA shows up. If they show up at 9 a.m., then, you know. I wouldn't fucking know. Maybe he would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ali, how do you know that information? <laughs> how does he know? Well, well, you know, if you're a manager, you, you're dealing with at least one cheater. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm if you sure. got fifty clients, there's a guy in there that's doing something funky. Yeah, yeah. What percentage of fighters do you think are doing something? Do I think nowadays? I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. I because I never really, I never focused on that. I never worried about it. But I I did know that you know, yeah. Some fighters you could just you could see back in the day, like hey. This is not normal. Right. Last year I saw you, you didn't look like that. Right. And, and yeah. So I think yeah, back in the day, back in the day pre USADA. Oh you could yeah. say you could say I would say a good maybe twenty five to thirty percent. I think before USADA it was higher than that. I maybe. think there was a time where it was a I don't know what the percentage was, but I think it was a lot of fighters. And then it got real squirrely with the testosterone replacement shit. Yeah, I do remember that, that time. That was the dumbest time ever. The fact that they didn't <laughs> think that through and they just let people game the system like that. It's 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 funny to me because um I get it all the time now. Of course. Like people people accuse me all the time and um and I, I haven't really told the story, but so I one day I, I saw like people kept tagging me in this video and it was this some fucking guy, some dumbass that, that's on YouTube that that swears he can spot people that do, you know, PEDs. Oh, that's probably and more plates, more dates. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Derek. Some, he's some been on the podcast guy, before. Yeah. So he's like, Yeah, I, I know that guy's doing it because I can see the marks on him and, and stuff like that. And so he starts point they they start pointing out because I have uh, like like five scars on my stomach, like you know like burn like discoloration on my stomach, and it and he starts they start pointing at that and he starts talking about it and and making up this whole theory, and it kind of it, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit because it. <laughs> <laughs> It should make because you happy. I was, I was I, okay. So let's, here's the story. I was a little self conscious about it because, so this is what happened. I was in college. This was my, I want to say junior year, sophomore junior year, going into my junior season, and uh, actually I think it was after my junior season. So I I started getting these. I got it like a, a mole on like my stomach, 
and I got one like on my my hand, and I I'm one of those. I'm kind of like a clean freak. Like I shower, you know, after practice right away. So I start scratching it, and then it starts bleeding. So I'm like, fuck, that's not a regular. I thought it was like a pimple. That's not a regular like a zit or something like that. So and then I, you know, over time it was like maybe it was like five little ones, like tiny. You could barely see them. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna ask the doc. We have a team doctor. I'm gonna ask him about it. So I went in for a physical, and then I, I went for, before the season. I asked him, "Hey, you know, I have this right here. I don't know what they are." So he looks at him. He goes, "Oh, these are uh, non-cancerous moles. They're just little bitty moles. You know, it's very, very common." I'm like, "Shit, not for me. I don't. <laughs> that's common for me." He's like, "Yeah, they're very common." I'm like, yeah, well, how can I get rid of them? I try to scratch them, and they, they bleed, and he's like, yeah, you don't want to do that. Uh, what we could do is we c I can burn them off. And I'm like, okay, fuck it, let's do it, because, hey, uh, spring break was going to come up. Like, <laughs> I, I'd started, I started, <laughs> I started, I'm, I'm lifting now, I, I got a body now, you know, right. I'm a, a, you know, I'm a junior, and I, I, I've look jacked so i'm like spring break is coming i want to look jack i want to look good you know so i don't get walking around with those fuck no so he's like i i can burn them all so he burns them off with i think nitrogen or something like that mm -hmm. so he burns them and then he goes hey those are going to fall off in a couple of days you know just give him time so i'm like okay but i was so like i was still training heavily during the summer because i was just like an addict of, of wrestling i wanted to for me, I wanted to get catch up to everybody, and I wanted to exceed everybody. So this was my time. The summer that that was my time for me to catch up. So my dumbass, I go back the next day. I go to school and um, back to the school, and I go in and I go drill. I go wrestle. I couldn't stop. I was just training all summer. So I wrestled, and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, they just burned those, but nothing has happened yet. And so I wrestled. And then later that evening, I'm sitting in my, I, I go, I get down, I get in the shower and I'm showering and all of a sudden, I'm just burning down there. And I look down and I had like scraped them off. Like, so as soon as he burned them, he said, don't do anything. They're going to fall off on their own. But my dumbass wrestled and it rubbed up against it. And now they all fell off. So then they scarred it because now I was like out for like seven days, like putting Neosporin on it wow. just so they can heal. And then they scarred over. So I have those from just that moment. So then this fucking guy's like, <laughs> oh, he's he's doing PEDs. Look, look, he's got the marks on his stomach. And it hurt my feelings. I'm like, I'm I'm like one of those guys who I'm like, I don't even think about PEDs because my work, even if I don't care, I probably have dealt with someone that was cheating or competed against someone that was cheating but my work will far exceed all of that and so when i see idiots online or saying oh yeah i know for a fact he's doing pd i'm like have you ever been to fucking africa have you been to africa there's a lot of francis and ganos walking around <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of guys like me just walking around and because of the work and because of the way that i fight they're like oh no he's definitely got to be doing something because they can't explain why you are 
the way you are, why your performance exceeds what their their mind is mentally capable of. They There's a photo it. of you where on top of the cage after one of the victories, oh, yeah. and you're like this, like, yeah. and it looks preposterous. <laughs> like, if I didn't know any better, I'd be like, that motherfucker's on some shit. <laughs> It's um, genetics are real, yeah. man. Oh, genetics are is. real. This is not everybody did not get the same deck of cards. Oh yeah, yeah, that oh, one. Yeah. Look at that one. Come on, son. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I saw that shit, I'd be like, if someone said, "Do you think this guy's on the juice?" I'm like, highly likely. Yeah, adrenaline. <laughs> Everything. You know, and I think this, yeah, this is right after uh, the Masvidal fight. Oh man, and I just yeah. Was so. that your sweetest victory? The second Masvidal fight. It's tough, tough to call. That one was so I think, no, I think my, shocking. I think the first, the first Covington fight yeah. was probably the sweetest. Just to stop him. Yeah, and I was dealing like I deal. You deal with so much. We deal with so much things going into fights, before fights, and I don't think people care. People don't care about, but I don't think people understand. So to make it to that fight, just to to get in there, to step in there on fight day. Nowadays, I'm so grateful because you deal with so much from family, from relationships to to children, to injuries, to finances, all of that and coaching to where by the time you actually step in there, it's like like peaceful. This is like I'm grateful to be in here that I actually made it in here. So I think um, that Covington fight was probably the first one was probably the sweetest. There was just too much. There was so that. much shit talking. <laughs> he he puts people in a crazy state of mind. Yeah, because he goes dark, man. He goes after your family. He goes after your friends. He goes after past relationships. He he just tries to find anything that he can light on fire. Yeah, there's a there's an art to that. I mean, some yeah. guys some guys it works for, but it's for me, what I would love to do is ask, and that it, hopefully in the future I can do that, and just sit down with these guys and, and ask them, like, what? How did you feel after that? Like, what? Like, are you human? You you come. You got to be human too. You right. got to feel something after right. you go that far. And let's say you don't win, you do lose. How do you feel sitting at home? Can't be good. That no, you can't. Like, I know how bad you feel losing. I've lost now twice, so I know how bad that feels at home. How do you feel when you got your ass kicked and you did all of this shit talking, all of this, and it didn't work? All negative too. Yeah, really negative. Oh yeah, there's a dark energy and a dark aura that that just surrounds that when you when you yeah do that. yeah. Yeah, and then when you do lose, people get so happy. Oh, yeah. When you talk so much shit and you're so <laughs> mean and nasty and then you lose, people get so happy. Connor, Connor, the oh, first yeah. Connor, Habib, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, man, that yeah. was, like, Perfect Habib, example. I think, Habib went from, like, maybe uh, maybe two to three million followers to, like, 12 overnight. <laughs> When he was on top of him, pounding on him, go, let's talk now. Yeah. Let's uh, talk now. Let's talk. And he's just punching him in the face. He's got, Habib's got some savage moments in the oh, case. Oh, man. I think one of my favorite, I think, I don't know if it was, it might have been the Edson Barbosa fight or some other fight where he was, he was on top of the guy. He was holding him with one hand, holding his face, and he was beating his face with the other hand. I was like, this is the most savage shit I've ever seen. Michael Johnson, he did that too. Michael, yeah, Michael. Johnson, that one was that was bittersweet for me. That one was that one was hard to watch because 
Mike was like my training partner at that time. We were really like training together. Mm. And Mike was on the upswing because Mike had just killed Poirier. And, yeah. and, and he was, Mike was really having a great, great run. I got very offended when they were talking about Poirier. And they're like, they're, I think it was Stephen A. Smith was talking about one like accidental loss. I forget how he put it yeah. to Michael Johnson. One inexplicable loss to Michael Johnson. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah. Michael Johnson's a savage. Oh, Michael, I think, is one of the most dangerous lightweights. He's dangerous as fuck, man. When he's on, oh yeah. When he knocked out Poirier, uh, he dinged Khabib too. He had Khabib in a little little rocky for a second there, and maybe the only guy to ever do it. The weird thing about Michael Johnson is he doesn't look the part. He's, he looks long limbs. They look skinny, but he's got speed and power. Till this, well, until Leon. <laughs> Michael's the only guy that's ever dropped me, sat me down. And, and well, I felt worse after that than I do now after the Leon situation. Really? Yeah. Why? Because, because he, he beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike beat my ass that sparring set. It was, it was early on. I think it was like I was like maybe in the second year of, of training MMA, and Michael was getting ready for a fight. He's in the UFC at this point, and he's he was like maybe two, three weeks out, three weeks out, and Mike's on because he Mike, and that's another thing I love about Mike is Mike likes to train. It might not be all the things that he should be training, but Mike loves to train. And he loves to spar, and so I just. I think it was in between my first and second fight. I just came off of my first win, so I had a couple of weeks off. So I'm coming in and I'm sparring Michael Johnson, and he's three weeks out from his fight. Mike's on at this point, and we're sparring and sparring, and and you know I'm trying to fake it. I'm trying. I'm the bigger guy, so I'm trying to like you know I didn't find a groove. I didn't have a groove at this point. I was just a guy who could wrestle and throw punches. And Mike is, is moving his feet. He's touching me. He's touching me. He starts slow. He starts slow. Then he starts picking up the pace. And then I was like, I'm, I'm gasping for air. And we're fucking two minutes in. And he's still just peppering me. And, and then now he starts to land shots. And they're getting harder and harder and harder. Now we're three minutes in. And I, I'm waiting for the bell to go off. But no, we're still stuck in here. And, and at that point, I, I would spar with headgear. So I'm like, no, fuck, this headgear's getting in my way. <laughs> That's what's causing it. But no, Mike was just beating my ass. So I take the headgear off, and we're still going, and he just puts a combination on me. Bing, 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 sits me down. Bing, and I fall, like, on my hand, and I roll over. And this is how fucked up it is. Rashad had the whole thing recorded and had it on his phone. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I fell, and I'm... We're home that night, and Rashad's replaying it, and he's showing me how I felt. <laughs> so and I'm brutal. like, no, I just, you know, I slipped, and I felt, and he's like, no, no, you was, you was down, because you fell on your hand, and you kind of rolled over, like, so it wasn't like I was out, but it was like he sat me down good, and he beat my ass to this day, well, until Leon Edwards. That was the only time I've ever been sat down. And that bothered you more? Yeah, it bothered me more, because I didn't have an answer for it. Mm. These are the the moments that that's really haunted me that that really messed with me was when there was nothing I can do about it. Um, there's there's that the first one was Rashad. Rashad beat me up one time to where I had to rethink what I was doing. 
So I think I was about a year in my career, and this was around similar times. And Rashad was like really traveling a lot. Rashad was a man. Rashad was traveling, doing shows, commentating, you know, maybe do a movie here and there. And I was living with Rashad. So at this time, he had like, he was a stretch. He was gone for like three weeks. And I'm training every day, twice a day. I'm like, this dude's not fucking, he hasn't really been training, hasn't been going to the gym. I know if he comes to wrestling, I cannot wrestle him. But I'm like, I'm striking now. I'm starting to hit people. I'm like, no. He comes in, I'm, I'm going to put it on him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I built this whole experience in my head. I'm like, I'm going to put it on Rashad. Let him know little bro is, hey, little bro is learning some shit. And, and he hadn't trained three, three weeks, four weeks. And so he comes in town. He comes back, and we go to the gym. And usually, and, and he would hate that I'm saying this, but I had the hardest time waking Rashad up in the morning. He would not leave his room. His room was on the other side of the house. He would not leave his room. We had practice at 1030. We have a 30-minute drive. He would not come out of his room until after 10 a.m. And so I would always like, go bang on his door. Hey, you, you up? You know, try to get him out before 10. And he just would not do it. And so I would drive us to the gym. You know, I'm a little bro. I'm, I take care of the house when he's not there and... You know, so I drive us to the gym, and, and the whole time in my head, I had the experience. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fuck him up today. You know? <laughs> He's been gone for three, three, <laughs> three weeks. I'm about to show him all the new ninja shit that I've learned. <laughs> I'm going to put it on him. And I know he hasn't been training. And so we get to the gym, and it just happens to be sparring day. So I'm smiling. I'm, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be the day. I'm going to show him, little bro, learn some shit. And I'm on the other side of the room, and I first couple of uh, rounds, I, I you know, I kind of go with guys that would go at my pace, you know. And so I think it was like maybe the third round. And Rashad, he comes in, he takes his sweet-ass time. This is when he was at 205. He takes his time, and he gets ready and all of this. And and then he's going, and I'm, I'm the whole time I'm eyeballing him on the, on the other side of the gym. I'm eyeballing him. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go with him today. So that was the third round. I'm like, yeah, uh, Rashad, let's go. Let's let's go. He's like, all right. And this was MMA clubs. And this was back there in the Black Zillions. We, we didn't really start using the seven-ounce poofy gloves. We would use the UFC MMA gloves. And so Rashad had his gloves on. And we start moving, and we're going, we're going. And I'm just like, um, like all right, let me try some shit. I know now. So I throw, I throw like some, a one-two or something like that, and I just kind of hit his hands. And, and, you know, he's moving with me, moving with me. And I'm like, let me ramp it up on him. I know he's not in shape. Let me ramp up on him. So I'm picking up the pace. I'm picking up the pace. And, no, I couldn't hit him. And then he starts hitting me. But he was hitting me a, a little bit, like, with a little bit more conviction than I anticipated, than I thought. I was like, why is he? And he's hitting me, and I couldn't stop it. And he's, now he starts fucking me up. <laughs> and he's beating on me. And I'm like, no, okay, let me go to my wrestling. I know I could always get him there. And I shoot for takedowns. He stuffed them all, like two or three of them. He stuffs them. Then he hits me again, starts hitting me again. He has me against the wall, and he's just beating on my body. Then he shoots for a takedown. He takes me down. And I'm just like, fuck. There was nothing I could do. I just, I didn't have the knowledge to really defend myself. And he mounts me, and that was one of the worst things at that point. 205 Rashad? on top of you is 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 bad because uh, you know you could see it in his fights when he was at 205 like when he mounts guys he'll crucify guys that's like his thing and he crucified me he beat my ass so bad he usually i drive us to practice and i drive us home 
he knew he beat my ass that bad. He drove. He's like, yeah, let me drive. Let me drive home. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he drove. I was sitting in the passenger seat, and I'm just looking at the window. I couldn't make eye contact with him. I'm looking out the window the whole time like, holy shit. He just. And then we get home, and usually when we're home, like I'll like make lunch or we'll like get lunch. This day we didn't get lunch. Or I, I usually sit on the couch and like maybe watch old fights or watch something like that on the, in the living room. But no, I was in my room the whole time. I was like, no, nah, I'm not coming out. <laughs> and and he would just randomly come in, open the door. Hey, you all right? You good? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. He's like, all right. You want something to eat? I'm like, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I felt like he purposely knew he beat the shit out of me. And that how he just had to check on me all through the day to make sure that I was okay. But it messed with me because I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't defend myself. I didn't have the knowledge to. Yeah. And that was what was so hard about my first professional loss as well is when I got submitted, I didn't have the knowledge because I wasn't doing jujitsu like that. I didn't know what I, and how to defend myself at that point. So those were was hard. This one, not so much because I knew exactly, you know, where I went wrong. And it wasn't like I, like Rashad beat my ass. There was nothing I could do. This one, that wasn't the case. So, you know, this is a little easier to deal with. You were saying that it's a, almost a little bit of a relief. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, it's weird. It's weird to really explain, but it's, you get to a certain point to where people start putting expectations on you. They start like, oh, yeah, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Yeah, you're you're this, you're that. To where I didn't get into it for all of that. I was never, I was never attached to the title. Now, as weird as that sound, I didn't, I was, I was never attached to it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm champion. I got to hold on to this. I got to hold on to this. I got to hold on to this. No, and I've said it before and I continue to say it. In my head, each and every time I was fighting for that title or defending that belt, I was fighting for the title. I was a contender in my head. I felt like that. I have to go contend for this belt each and every time. So because I feel like when you're defending, you, you're tight. Now you're all defense. You're not thinking offense. You just want anything to hold on to this, anything to hold on to this. I was never really like that. So everyone got felt like kind of started putting expectations like, yo, oh, you're about to break this record. I didn't know. I didn't even know what Anderson Silver's record was until like before last fight where everyone started saying, oh, yeah, you're about to break the, the Anderson Silver's record or you're about to tie this. And, yo, you already broke George St. Pierre's record. I don't care. I don't give a shit. The last time I cared about the number was when I was five and one and I was about to get into the UFC. It's like, yeah, I'm five and one. Damn, Rashad went on like a 15-fight win streak one time. Damn, I wish I could do something that great. And, But I just, Rashad even told me at that point, he's like, just take it fight at a time. As long as you worry about that next fight and that next fight and that next fight, they'll, they'll add up. And so, yeah, it was almost like a relief of expectations of everyone's pressure of, oh, yeah, you're the GOAT this, you're the GOAT that. That's relative. That's, that's a relative, like... It's hard to argue that situation because George St. Pierre was the greatest in his era. With what he had to deal with, the opposition he had to deal with, he was the greatest, hands down. And, you know, when George St. Pierre kind of moved aside, Woodley was was that guy. And and then Robbie had a stint there where Robbie was that guy. So and Pat Militich had a stint when he was that guy. So was did Matt Hughes. 
And so to say, oh, yeah, that guy's the GOAT, that's, that's relative because styles make fights, you know, and you can never really tell what would transpire if this guy goes with that guy. Styles make fights, and it's also guys are building on the work that was done before them. Because if you look at the fighters from 1993, that's the best example. Because it's one of the rare sports where we get to see a stark contrast between the early days of the UFC and the current days. If you go back and watch basketball in 1993, it's pretty similar to basketball today. There might be better athletes today. People are better at everything today. But... It's still basketball. The UFC is almost unrecognizable. Yeah. You watch the way people fought back then versus the way people fight now. I mean, there's no comparison. You got to go to like UFC 12. You st- see Vitor's debut, and you go, oh, yeah. okay. Well, th- now we're looking at like what a real modern mixed martial artist looks like. Yeah. And then, you, then you know, there's a few guys along the way that were outliers that were much better than everybody else. And now you have a whole roster filled with people like that. And when you watch the development of fighters. One, I mean, every fighter learns from the people that are in their gym, and they learn from the people that they see fighting. And so everybody of today, you you have Tyron Woodley's videos to watch. You have the fights that George St. Pierre had to watch. You had all these different fights that you can watch, and you, you can learn from all these. The Anderson Silva fights, yeah. the John Jones fights. Like, There's so much knowledge that's accumulated in the minds of the athletes now. And that's built on the people that came before them. I'm like, yeah, of course, they they have to do the work. Yeah. And yeah, of course, you know, the the thing that's most impressive about a person like yourself is that in spite of all this knowledge out there and in spite of all these athletes, you are still dominating. There's so the level so high. There's so many great guys. I think the level of your competition was higher than the level of anybody else's competition. Because I think that everybody's better now. Oh, absolutely. I think when you look at the guys that you faced, and you look at Gilbert, and you look at Colby, and you look at Masvidal, you look at all these guys that you've faced, man, that's a that's a serious resume of hard-hitting fighters. Like, really, really talented, really skillful fighters. Yeah, I started, when you start watching, and like I mentioned, I... I I started doing research when I started getting more and more into MMA, and and yeah, that's what I'm like. Damn, Joe had hair. Joe was Joe was. <laughs> <laughs> it was 20 years Dude, ago, man. That's crazy to it's me. Nuts. And, and that's how long you've been in the sport. You've been covering. Well, I started in '97 as a post-fight interviewer. Yeah, that's I saw that. Wild. That yeah, and some of the questions you'd ask too was 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 wild. I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys are fresh off the of fights and, and, yeah. and having interviews, but even then you were you were on it, you were on the money. And I was like, damn, Joe's Joe's been doing this for a minute. That's Bro, when a- I used to do it back then, I was on a television show and they would talk to me like I was on I was out doing porn. They're like, Why are you doing that? <laughs> That's what it was like. It was like I was involved in something I, seedy. I know. If it, it felt I, I I see that. I can see that. I, can I was see trying how to they felt explain that. it to them. I'm like, this is the greatest sport in the world. It's going to be the number one sport in the world. They're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you talking about? I go, it's more exciting than any other sport in the world. Yeah. You just have to watch it. It's, yeah. And then and watching the evolution because it was almost like guys came in with one skill and it was, they were try, battling to see which skill yep. would dominate. And then you had the, the, the cool, the guy, the, the, you know, the mixture, the guys that would come in now with two skills. Like Marco Hulas. Yeah. And and then and then you have guys like Rashad who come in with like two, three skills who could wrestle, who could box. And can knock you and out. And can knock you out. And then yeah. and it's like 
Wow. And then, you know, you got guys like like Chuck, you know, but Chuck just wanted to stand. But he had the yeah. wrestling to stop you from taking him down. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the sport just kind of starts to shift and change into where guys are guys are just ninja kids not just guys kids are ninjas now yeah some of these like, guys coming up you know i mean 10 fights in and you're watching me like gee this guy looks like a world champion they're oh, so yeah. good oh there's yeah. so much talent now and also the the eyes on them are, there's so many more eyes so there's so yeah. much more attention so there's so much more it's so much more intensity to to a lot of these up-and-comers Oh yeah, we we have um. There's a couple of some young guys that I just watch. I'm just like, holy shit, these guys are going to be a pro. There's I have one of my training partners, named Archie. He was a a wrestler at a Wyoming. I think he was like a three time um, conference champion uh, for Wyoming, and then went to national national qualifier and just strong, explosive wrestler. But he just wants to knock you out. He will just stand and bang with you the whole time until he does knock you out. And I watch these guys train. I'm like, man, these guys are going to be the future. We have a, a young kid. It's a young Nigerian kid named Adamu. He trains over at uh, Killcliffe with Henry Hooft. And I watch it. This guy spars with the world champion. And he's green. He spars with the world champion, and he's kicking him in the face. And he's just doing everything. I'm like, what the f? Yeah, I need to uh, hurry up and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And get out of this before all these guys get to me and decides I can't be the, the butt of their jokes. Like, <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. Well, we were talking about staying off social media after the loss. Yeah. They're like, you can't you can't read them memes. It's, it's funny to me. The thing is, everyone expected me. I, I feel like you get to a certain point. It's the weirdest thing to me. It's like, I don't understand how people... People just want to see the demise of someone else. Like it's like people are fiending for that. They stay and they sit there. Yeah, and but that's because you're so much more successful than them. Yeah, that's that, the that's what person, I don't understand. The average person. Yeah. The idea of being the welterweight champion of the world. You walk into an arena and you raise your arms and eighteen thousand people go, yeah. Yeah. That's that's alien. Yeah. That's you might as well be living on the moon. That doesn't even make sense to most people. It, yeah, so when I they see it. someone like you and you're killing it and you're going on this unbeaten streak and you're dominating everyone, you dominate Tyrone Woodley to, to win the title, you knock out Masvidal with one punch. Holy shit. This it's wild. Yeah. So they just want you to fall apart because they can't compare to you. Yeah, and it's you know, I I I recognize that. You know, and even after the last time we, we spoke and I don't, I'm not on social media like that. Like Good. I'll post something here and there. Some days I'll go a few days and not even look at it. Some days I'll, I'll you know, post. And that's. I guess a good and a bad thing with the the new algorithm that kind of Instagram has is you don't just see everybody's shit. You right. know, now it's like maybe like your friends that constantly you talk to, you see their stuff. And so, you know, I'll get on my daughter's doing something cute or I feel like it's something cool I want to share. I'll, I'll get on and I'll post that and then I'll, you know, get off. But I feel like, and it's even making people more upset because they expected me to feel a certain way that I'm not feeling. How do you know what they expected? Because I, people make fake pages with my <laughs> it was hilarious to me it was this was the funniest shit to me it was it was a few maybe a couple hundreds would make a create go out of their way to create a whole page with because when i was knocked out i was like my eyes were open which was the craziest thing to me you know now that i i've watched the fight over maybe like 10 times 
and my eyes were open, which was weird. And so people would like screen grab that and make a fake page with that as the, the avatar and have a page dedicated to that. Like you got knocked out, you got this, you got, for them to take time out of their day, I'm like, shit, I'm special. Like, I, I'm, it's, but it's <laughs> mostly people that don't have a good life. It's it's weird. If to they me. did it's have a good life, the, the, I don't I don't have the time to do that shit. How do yeah. they have the time to do that shit? Yeah, I don't have Where time to even scroll through Instagram. Yeah. Rather, yeah. go out of your way to make a page and and just because. But they think that that bothers me. But it it's funny to me. It's it was funny. It you made know, you few. laugh. Look yeah, at the, it made the, me laugh. And I, you know, did you see the photo of me interviewing you in the middle of the that? Was, I almost posted that yesterday. <laughs> 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 ah! Ah! Oh shit! Oh, I'm gonna hilarious. I'm gonna post that. I was like, Joe, gotta get that interview. <laughs> <laughs> that one's that one's so rough. <laughs> no, it was um. What an experience, though. What do you remember after the head kick? Oh, man. This is... Uh, I was dreading talking about this. But uh, not in a bad way. But it was It's funny to me. So... Um, the fight is going, and there's a zone that I've learned to put myself in. And my coaches can kind of attest to this, like because I do it even in training. Um, there's a way that I train, that I practice to where I, I try to get myself into the zone, which is is as similar to a fight experience as I can be. And to where I try not to be bothered by anything that's going on. And my body has adjusted and gotten used to this. So in the first round, the fight's going on, and boom, that situation happens. He, he, hooked, he, hooked, my, uh, he hooked my legs. And and I'm and this is my bad knee, well my not so good knee, but both of them aren't the greatest. But so I'm like, okay, let me hip him through. So I try to hip him through, but he just had great position. You know, kudos to him. And I get taken down. That I probably was more upset about giving up that takedown. I was like, fuck, <laughs> I gave up a takedown. So we get done, and he, you know, he tries to, you know, he takes it back, and and I'm just chilling. And waiting for the bell, and the bell goes off, and I get up, and um, and I didn't realize this until I watched the fight back over. I get up, and I was kind of smiled, you know. I get up, and I jogged back to my uh, corner, but I was I look at it, and I I'm like, okay, I know that's where I was at at that time. I was in that zone to where I'm unbothered by whatever is happening. I am going to make this be whatever I want it to be, and so the next round, I just take off. And I just started kind of wailing on him, and, and and so by the fifth round, I kind of have him in a spot to where I'm just like, I never think, okay, yeah, I've got the fight one. Let me just coast. Let me hold on to him and win. I never think that. I want to, if I can't get the, if I can get the finish, I'm gonna try to get that finish, and I want to do something spectacular. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take a risk here. I'm gonna do something great. And I remember, and this is the great thing about Trevor Whitman, in the training camp, we, we work on certain techniques to kind of put him where you want him and and get him out of there. Like even in the Masvidal fight, like everyone, oh, the knockout just happened. No, I set him up for the knockout. People didn't realize. I did the same sequence in the first round that I did to finish him. And so I start that with Leon, you know, because I've kind of got Leon in a place now to where I – you know, I could kind of really kind of dictate whatever I wanted to do. And so we get him, I get him up and 
I think her breaks us from the ca- from the cage. So we're we're moving and I'm trying to set him up and I'm trying to get his feet moving. Uh, I wasn't doing the greatest of job, which is this is all on me. And and I'm trying to get his feet moving. You see me change levels. And what I wanted to do is set him up and I was going to throw the punches that he couldn't see. And I wanted to sit him down and get him out of there. I wanted to throw him with conviction and really get like I did with Masvidal and get him out of there. And so I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shake left, shake right, and then I'm going to let him go. But i got to get him moving first. And I didn't do a great job of that. And so I'm moving, moving. I'm like, okay, I got him set up. All right, which I really didn't. I shake left. I shake right. And I'm sitting in the ambulance, and they're asking me, uh, do you know where you're at? I'm like, what the fuck? That's what you remember? You remember waking up in the ambulance? <laughs> yeah, I was awake, but I remember coming to it, it in the ambulance. So you had been awake because you were walking around, but you were still Oh, I gone. was good. Yeah, I was good. I was talk. I, I watched the fight over. I'm good. I was talking. I talked to Trevor. You know, I talked to, you know, everyone. I, I apparently, because, I, you know, you go back and then you go in the medical tent and they uh, take yeah. care of you and all you of that. You don't remember any of that. And they talked to me. I talked to my family. I hugged everyone because he was on video and everything. I remember sitting. It was like Leon gave me like a 20-minute nap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which was, it, it was, I think about, and I, I was laughing hysterically in the uh, in the hospital because I had to go in just to get scanned and all of that, which everything was fine. So it's like immediately I come to, I'm in the, I'm in the ambulance. They're asking me, do you know where you are? I'm like, yeah, Salt Lake City, UFC 278. They're like, what's your date of birth? I'm like, I answer, I'm five, you know, and they were like, wow, perfect. I answered everything perfectly. They're like, oh, we still need to take you to, to the um, to the hospital just to get you scanned and everything like that. I was like, all right, fine. So we go to the hospital to get scanned and everything. But I was already good. I was okay. I wasn't, I was maybe disappointed that I lost, but I wasn't like bummed. Like the first loss that I had in my career, that one, that one fucked with me. That Is that because you didn't me. know whether or not you would ever be able to make it? Yeah. I, I It was the uncertainty of the future. Right. And also... Because there was nothing I could do with that. I, I couldn't defend myself because I didn't have the knowledge of it. Right. That was what hurt me the most is I'm like, because when I was in that position, I could have fought it because I was standing up with the guy, a backpack for almost a minute. And I had no idea what to do. And I wanted to go back to the ground and try to fight it. But I'm in my head, I said, shit, I don't know what I'm doing down there if I go down there anyways. So no, I'm just going to stay up here until I eventually tap. And, but this one was like, Okay, I know my mistakes. That's the one thing I've said. I'm very, very honest with myself. I am honest with myself to where I'm like, shit, okay, he got me. He got me, you know. I didn't do a good job of what I wanted to do, and he got me. And and I, I don't like the notion of everyone saying, oh, he got lucky, he got Yeah, he got lucky. Yeah, of course. But luck to me is not what everyone is saying. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. That's luck to yeah. me. You can't tell me that Leon didn't train that kick. Of course he did. I'm not even a southpaw, and I trained that kick. I know he trained that kick, and there's a video out. I don't, I don't know if that was before the fight or after or whatever that was, but they're like, look, his video of him actually training. Yeah, of course you train that. That's, that's what a well-rounded, uh, the number one contender, mixed martial arts in the world should do, and they should know how to do. It's, yeah, of course he trained that. So, yeah, he did get lucky. 
he prepared to be able to land a kick like that. I presented him with the opportunity, and he landed the kick, and here we are. So, you know, I, people are kind of trying to take away from his win. Oh, he, he No, he, he landed a good kick, you know, and he put me out, and now. So other than belt. Michael Johnson, that's the first time you've ever been dropped? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. What about the Gilbert fight? Well, I mean, the, see, the thing with the Gilbert fight, I wasn't really, you know, he didn't rock me to where I sat down. I was, you know, He just buzzed. you and you had Yeah, to it was just yourself. like, boom, that was a heavy shot. Shit. And I even put my hand down this, and I could see, I knew what was going on. I, he was coming at me, and I put my hand down to brace and try to, you know, control the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it was a heavy shot. Gilbert hits hard. Gilbert like, hits hard. He hits hard, you know, but this was, yeah, this one was like, hey, Good night. Yeah. <laughs> and he gave me a good 20-minute nap. When you watch the fight, yeah. where do you think you made an error? I didn't I didn't get him to do what I was everything was perfect. That's the thing I love. My my coaches are amazing. You know, Trevor Whitman, Ben Charrington, George Santiago. And, and and these guys, they do a great job. And, and my strength and conditioning coaches, Corey Peacock and and, and Aaron. Um they they do a great job of preparing me. They they do a great job of what they have to work with, getting that prepared for for battle. And for me, it was executing what I wanted to do. In that moment, there was a setup that I was trying to set Leon up, and I didn't execute it the proper way. I didn't move his feet the way that I wanted to move his feet. I didn't put him in the position where I wanted to put him in order to be successful with what I, I wanted to do. And so that was all on me. No, it was a great, it was a great one. And the instructions, and I and I tried that based on the instructions that I got from Trevor. And it was amazing instructions because Trevor did tell me that, hey, when you're throwing your right hand, you're looping it and he can see it because it's southpaw and he's just leaning back. And so I was like, oh shit, you're right. So I need to throw it a different way. And I was setting him up for that. And I didn't execute the way that I wanted to. And hey, he caught me slipping. You said something about you get yourself into a mind state, a zone where nothing bothers you. Yeah. Is that it, because, like, you do see moments in fights where things don't go a fighter's way and you start to see some frustration. You start to see them, like, lose some of their their, their focus. Like, they kind of get taken out of their game because things aren't going their way and you see things bothering them. So is that something like, so if you recognize that you can put yourself in this very specific state of mind where no matter what happens, you are exactly the same way. Yeah. That, and it took years for me to get to that point. Cause yeah, I'm human. Yeah. You know, I I get, you know, stuff aren't going, it's not going your way. You start to, you know, the anxiety starts to build and then you start to, you know, start doing things uncharacteristic. For me, I've I've trained over and over and over to try to be as close to that zone as possible, and so where you just execute, yeah, where I just no matter what, I don't care what happened. Like, I kicked his, I think I kicked his, I kicked his elbow and I kicked his shin a couple of times. And if you ever kicked the shin and kicked the elbow, it's not fun. <laughs> it's, it's not. I'm sitting here with I have a huge bump on my shin still from and it's still swelling up, you know, and I didn't care. I didn't even, didn't even phase me, you know, because I was in that zone, and I didn't care whether I got taken out. I don't give a shit if I get beat is, for four rounds of fifty minutes. Guess what? I'm still gonna execute 
that 10 seconds left, I'm gonna execute what I set out to do. This this mindset, is this something that, have you managed this? Is this, have you written things out? Is this something that you practice? Do you meditate? Like, how do you get yourself into that state? I mean, just years of experience. So it's trial just an experience error, thing? Years of experience, trial and error, and all of, all of the above. Like, I, you know, I started meditating. I've grown a lot in the last three years. A lot. A lot has happened to me in the last three years. Whole ton. Life, you know, experiences, you know, Your relationships. Your father's out of jail now. Yeah, my father being back. How great is that? That It's amazing. It's amazing for him to be able to witness now everything that's going on in my life and see it firsthand. You know, that 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 feels great to me. That's one of the joys of where I am now, which I think has kind of ultimately led me to the point where I am because it's, I see things, I'm just more, I'm more grateful for, for things. And that, I, I, I see pe people kind of like look at me like an alien because if I'm not upset at certain things that don't go my way or if I don't react a certain way to certain things, people are like, oh, well, why? Why aren't you reacting this way? Why aren't you, you should be more upset. Oh, you're not disappointed, you're not hurt. No, and especially about this experience. The biggest, I would say, the, the most hurtful thing for me is I didn't represent. Well, it's not that I didn't represent. I did. I didn't get the result for the amount of work that I put in. The amount of work that my coaches put in with me. Well, my you coaches, did minus one minute. Exactly. But, but for, really me is, for me is I'm not one of those, oh, you kind of execute. No, I want to execute all the way through. Right. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm secure in knowing what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of doing to Leon Edwards and to anybody else in the, in the world. I know that. And so it's, it's funny to me now. Everyone's kind of writing it off like, oh, okay, they're just talking about, yeah, this is a big fight. Leon and this guy, Leon and that guy. And I'm sitting like, I'm the best in the world. Are you serious? You know? <laughs> so that, that, I would say, maybe might be a little irritation for my part, but it's not... It's it's I didn't feel like I didn't get the victory, so I in my head I'm like damn you you didn't execute all the way through, but I know what I'm capable of. I've always known what I'm capable of. I knew that before I fought Tyron Woodley. Do you think that this fight can actually elevate you to another 1, level? One thousand percent. One thousand percent. Every every like everything is a lesson for me. Everything, every experience, every failed relationship, failed business, all of that is a lesson for me, and. I'm I, a lot like I, I got a lot of flag like I, I saw that um, okay the one moment I have to be honest that did hit my heart a little bit was when I was in a hospital with uh, Ali we were in the hospital together when I was getting scanned I was already back I was I watching the video clip of it and he showed me that because I wanted to see how it happened and I was like, damn, he got me. That was a good shot. You know, I was envious of it. Like, I'm like, damn, that, he set me up good. That shit was beautiful. You know, it's like a form was just nice. You know, kudos to Leon. And, but then they, the camera pans into the audience and they showed my daughter. My daughter cried. And, and she cried and that that oh. it was like a it, it was the weirdest thing it was like an instant trigger response like mm. boom my heart like i wanted to cry 
just seeing that for her because as a as a parent as a father that's one of the worst things is we couldn't and i learned that when my daughter was a, a infant is when they're sick or something's bothering them you just feel it it just hits your heart and then when my daughter was crying that one it, it got to me i was like oh shit i don't i don't i don't i didn't like seeing that yeah and then you know connor i think connor had tweeted something and was it was kind of blasting me about it like you know for bringing her to the fight and this and that and and really and yeah like he tweeted some 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 mean things or certain things like that and it was just like i'm how low of people sometimes but for me it was like fuck no like they don't they don't understand it they don't understand they, they're just in a low level of thinking to it they don't understand like absolutely i'm gonna bring her my daughter's not only gonna see when daddy's victorious and daddy just continues to beat everybody and and daddy gets to you know put her in in the best school or whatever she wants to be no you know because i'm in a weird place like i'm trying to teach her she has work ethic but it's kind of like uh, i don't want to do that today or i don't want to go to gymnastics or i don't want to do that this week and and she's kind of like doesn't want to do it oh i don't like it anymore i, I want to quit you know, and I'm trying to teach her the best way that I can without forcing her to do something of of what it takes to to work hard. And my daughter has been going to the gym with me ever since she was six months old, so she understands that and she's okay with it. That's why she can watch my fights. But I'm not only going to bring her because Daddy's victorious. I am blessed right now with an opportunity to show my daughter that look, you could fall down and look how you can get back up. And so it, it was to see people like and someone like Connor who actually does have children to to say something like that. It was like, man, you're missing the mark big time, bro. You're missing it big time because I am blessed with that. Like how I am blessed. How often do you get an opportunity like that to where you can give them an example of how it is to rebound at the highest level? Do you think about your daughter in the audience while you're fighting at all? No. Is it, it, when you get to the cage, do you think about the fact that she's there or are you just completely focused? No, I try to limit my... This is like fight week. I got I had to get comfortable with bringing her around fight week because... And I, le I learned this. The first fight she ever went to was the Tyler Woodley fight. And... And my daughter, we have this bond to her. My daughter wants to be sweet. She's going to be sweet. She's going to be on me. She's going to rub my face and grab me. Just be very affectionate. And and I just felt this overwhelming sense of no. Because I, I had, in the coming weeks, I had built myself into this, this ironclad guy to this m mental state that I want to be in to go to war. And with my daughter, she flips the switch on all that. She turns it off. <laughs> and and um I, I i learned that at that fight like okay i gotta limit my my moments with her because she softens me up right and so when i when i see her now it's like moments i try to really fight that and stay in that place and not spend too much time with her because she's gonna get affectionate and i don't want to make her feel weird for being affectionate but at the same time, I understand what I am feeling and the mental state that I'm in. So, no, by the time I walk into the cage, I'm already that person. When they come and get you from that back room and they say, all right, it's your time. So I pace back and forth in the backstage before I do the walk. And I'm already, I'm starting to slowly climb into the Nigerian nightmare when I, when I step inside that cage. 
So when I'm there, I don't even know. I don't feel. I don't see. I don't hear. I don't care that they're there. I have a task. I have a job to do, and that's what I need to do. So the fight is over. Time has passed. What do you do now as far as prepare to fight again? And do you go straight to a Leon Edwards rematch? I, that's a good question. I've never been in a situation. So for me, it's, it was always like, all right, well, you know, I get home and I'm home for like two, three days and I start getting bored. And cause it's only so much, like I drive her to school, I get her ready in the morning, take her to school. Then I come back home, it's like 8.30 and I'm just like sitting there cause I can't go back to sleep. Right. It's 8.30 in the morning, I'm just sitting there like shit. All right, well, well let's go train. And I go, usually go back to the gym and, you know, whether it's just hitting a bag or doing something, rolling with George, um, it's something. But now it's with this, the fight, the way it ended, they're like, hey, don't, you can't train for a certain amount of time. You can't so, hit the bag? Well, they they don't want me doing anything to, I guess, Upside cause vibration or, or yeah. to my brain or anything like that. So I'm just like, you know what? I I'm just gonna lay low. Just give it a because I it's I very rarely do I have a break. Very very rarely do I have someone say, "Hey, stop! You can't train." Even when I'm in training camp, practice is over. Trevor, as soon as Trevor leaves the room, my mind is already like, "What else can I do today? What else can I do to to push to enhance what I've just learned?" And so it's kind of a it's kind of a relief. It's kind of a change to where I one time I sat in my movie room for like four hours. <laughs> Just I watched the fight like three times in a row over and over and over and then watched the movie or something then I'm waiting I'm just waiting for my daughter to get out of school I'm like okay she's about to be done alright let's get ready to go get her so I'm already bored and I want to go train I want to go do something I feel completely fine like I said it was almost like I, Leon gave me a 20 minute nap and I was back and there was no other repercussions? nothing I feel nothing except for the bump on my shin for kicking his elbow, and I feel nothing. So I want to go back, but the doctors are like saying, which I have to listen because that's supposed. They're supposed the supposed yeah. experts, and they're like, yeah, even though you might not feel anything, there might be some bruising back there that you don't know that could cause some type of harm later on. So, so how many weeks? You know, I don't a few weeks. A few weeks. Just a few weeks. Yeah, but. You know, I'm already, you know, thinking about what I can do, push-ups, sit-ups, or do this or that to just stay in shape because I'm, I already feel like, you know, I'm addicted to that burn of that workout, the burn of, of physical activity. I'm a, I, I can honestly say I'm an addict to that. It's, I mean, you talk openly about this, so I could bring it up, but it's amazing how well you can fight and how well you can train with your knees the way they are. I just go. It's it's your mental strength in that regard is really extraordinary because like you've got some fucked up knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't uh, see it when you're yeah. fighting. You don't notice it at all. You're throwing kicks, you're yeah. wrestling. It's um I get to uh, I've just been conditioned over time to when it's time to just compete, we compete. I don't care what's going on, we just we compete. And are they I, getting worse? I don't think so. No, I mean, I, stabilized. I, I, yeah, they're. I think they're stabilized because I, you know, over time now, I've I've 
usually I could just go into a practice, you know, like, like I said, that one day Rashad just came in, didn't really even warm up and, and still whip my ass. I could usually do that. But now it takes me about 45 minutes to warm up to even, even if my workout might be 30 minutes, it takes me about 45 minutes to warm up. And I try to be religiously diligent in that and knowing that I have to get that in in order to prolong my ability to stay here. I have to do that. And then after you're done, you got to stretch, you got to cool down, which I'm still, I'm, I'm much better at, but I'm still working out the kinks of those. It's amazing how many fighters don't stretch. Yeah. I'm like, this, you guys are so crazy. It wasn't, but that's because it wasn't part of the culture. Yeah. We weren't taught that. It was just like, show up, spar, all right, go home, yeah. sit on your couch, you know. But if, in terms of like your ability to like execute kicks, it makes yeah. such a giant difference. It does. Flexible guys kick so much easier. It's like there's less resistance. Yeah. It's just the mechanics of how they get the leg up there. Mm -hmm. The technique is, is, it's, yeah, they are. So you have to wait a few weeks before you can train again. And then once you start training again, then do you get an assessment of like when you'd be able to compete again? No. I mean, I, I think to compete, I think they would, you know, doctors would sign off in about two months. They would say you'd be okay. When you get knocked out cold, yeah. Um, do you think that the more time off, the better? In terms of know. fights, I don't know. It's weird that. So you remember even when Manny Pacquiao got? I know it's weird. It's right? weird that <laughs> I know. <laughs> usually when I'm you asking. You got knocked out cold, Jamie. You got knocked out cold. <laughs> well, usually when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you in the conversation of like you might be the greatest of all time. Yeah. Now we're talking in this conversation about like how do you get back in there? Yeah. No, I think um, for me personally. Everyone's like everyone's these experts. Everyone's throwing these things out. Like, no, he needs to wait a month, two months, three months. Oh no, can he ever? That's the. Th this was the most, the funniest thing to me that I've been seeing so far on the internet. Is is he ever going to be the same again? How is he going to come back? How is he going to do this? How is he going to do that? Is he going to be gun shy? Is he going to? Fuck no, <laughs> I'm fine. Like right now, I wanted to train last week. I wanted to go in and spar last week, but I knew that probably wasn't the wisest thing to do. There is a thing that happens to fighters, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to you, Yeah. but when they've been knocked out more than once, oftentimes, yeah. they lose their chin. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't feel any different, and I think the good thing about the way that I compete anyways is I don't. I try not to take punishment. You know, I, I try to use my brain. I try to use, you know, I want to th outthink the guys when I'm in there fighting. And I think I do that pretty well. So, but I, I, I'm listening to, you know, the experts and the guys that have, you know, that have the knowledge of what this is. And they're saying, if they're saying, okay, you need to wait a month and not take any hard training or heavy this. Yeah, of course. I have nothing but time. I mean, the only logical thing that makes sense is to fight this guy again. Yeah. Like, well, that's where the money is too. Who, uh, yeah. But who, uh, for me, it's not necessarily about the money. I don't, you know, I don't really care about the money for me. Don't tell Dana that. I mean, I, Dana, Dana, he cares yeah, about the money. I do care. Of course, me and Dana talk, me and Dana, we, we hear, <laughs> so he knows, but for, I, I do care. I like to be, of course, I want to be rewarded for the time that I put in, but it, for me, it's the main thing is 
representing the work that I put in. That's the biggest thing for me. I fucking, I, I give everything for this. Like I've sacrificed a lot. I sacrifice relationships. I sacrifice time with my daughter. I think this camp, I was gone almost like a six week stretch. Like this is, this is time that I won't get back. All these things that I sacrificed. I sacrifice time with friends, you know, like I, for me, it's, I just live this. You know, I'm in camp, and even, like, my nutritionist, um, the chef, and she'll she'll make me food. Some days I'll come in, and I'll just, I won't even talk. I'll just eat. The food's there, ready, and I'll just eat. And I know in her head she, she wants to have a conversation, or she's wondering why isn't he, you know, talking. I don't, I just want to eat, you know. I, in my, I'm, I'm living in my head and I'm going through this experience. And maybe that day Trevor put me through a, a workout that was just super tough that I, I was fluctuating with dealing, dealing with it mentally while I was doing it. So I'm reflecting on that the whole time. So I might sit there and just stare off in the space while I'm eating. And, and I know she probably wonders like, why isn't he talking? Why isn't he? But that's it. I sacrifice all of those things for what I am doing right now. And so... Yeah, I have to represent that. Each and every time I step in there, I want to represent that to the fullest. You know, I don't spend as much time with my, my mom and dad. You know, my dad's out now, and, you know, I'm sure he's having a blast, you know, now, seeing where we all are in life. But I would love to spend more time with them, but I sacrifice all of that to go and try to be great at this. So in an ideal timeline, when would you like... To have a rematch um i think what makes more sense is to go to to go to london or go to england somewhere i think yeah, that makes, sense. And that I, makes I, sense i love the idea i love it and so i think i think they're already booked all the way up until january so i think anytime february march so yeah, that's a that's good rock. amount of time too that's a good amount of time to recover yeah it's perfect it's yeah. almost like it, it just lines up lines perfectly up. yeah so i'm gonna take the time i'm gonna make sure that i i listen to all the experts and take the appropriate time to let it heal if they say oh yeah you're healed now which i already feel fine then hey let's rock and roll yeah that will be bananas oh yeah that fight will be bananas that will be one of the biggest fights in the history of the sport for sure. I mean, it's going to be epic because it was such a shocking result. It was so unexpected. You know, it came out of nowhere in a fight oh, yeah. you were dominating and the rematch <clears throat> in England. I mean, Leon's a hero over there now. I mean, it would be yeah. it's going to be gigantic. Yeah, I I think the, the you I'm going to have to go over there for that one. Joe, you got to come. I might have to go. You got you got to I might go. have to take that trip. This is I mean, it, it's, it just lines up, like, I've, I've, that's the thing is, I'm so grateful for some of the things that I am experiencing in life, to, I was grateful to, to be able to fight Tyron Woodley for the belt, and win, and, and I'm grateful to be able to defend, and, and I always wanted to headline a pay-per-view in Vegas, I did that with Kobe Covington, it's like, wow, that was great to me, it's like, I'm all these amazing things, and then it's like, MSG, wow, that would be cool. And then I get the call. It's like, oh shit, I'm gonna do that too. I was grateful for that. Then head now to be a part of potentially headlining a stadium show in England. 
Yeah, they're talking about Wembley, right? Yeah. Which is, what is that, 80,000 people? Yeah, something like that. That, that, I... I thought eighteen. I thought eighteen. Like I walk out of Salt Lake City, which is big. Shout out to Salt Lake City. Big shout out to uh, all the guys that took care of us there. Sean and 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 all those guys. They they the the AG and they did a fantastic job taking care of us. They they were very hospitable, and so I'm thinking, oh, you know, I love it. I'm because I I went to school in Colorado and Iowa in the Midwest. So I'm like, okay, Salt Lake City, and I live in Colorado. I'm like, I I'm. You know, I don't know what to expect here. And I walk out. I'm walking out. I'm like, holy shit, these people are on top of me. Like, they were, like, right there. <laughs> they were right there. The it intimate was arena. It yeah. Was in- yeah, it was intimate. They were packed. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And they were hyped oh, up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To have a big title fight in Salt Lake like that, they oh, were yeah. hyped up. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping they uh, they enjoyed the show. And not the result I wanted, but... <laughs> Well, you got a great attitude about it, I'll tell you that, man. You know, your attitude about the relief of it is very similar to Matt Hughes' attitude. I remember when I interviewed Matt Hughes after BJ beat him, and he, he was very honest inside the cage. He said, I have to be honest, it's a relief. Like, it's a lot of pressure, you know, yeah. like constantly having these guys, like, biting at my heels. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go back and hit the gym and regroup and come back stronger. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that. But I, I got used to dealing with, to where I wasn't even, I didn't even think about the guys anymore. You know, they were, it was always someone. They, you know, as soon, before you even get done, oh, that guy's next, that guy's next. It was always someone. But I got used to that in wrestling because, you know, the three years, Division Two, I was ranked number one going into the national tournament. And so I got, I kind of made friends with everyone looking at me as that guy, the mm-hmm. number one guy they were coming after. And that was fine for me. It was fine. I got beat my uh, sophomore year and junior year. I got beat in the national finals. And then senior year, I was like, no, I'm going to win this thing. And I eventually did win it. But I, I I feel like I've just, everything in my life leading up to it has just been preparing me for it. You know, and it's, now it's, I'm just blessed to be able to still be able to do it. You know, to say that I've, and, and I talked to my, my friends, I, which I consider like big brothers, Daniel Cormier and these guys. And Daniel was like, yo, when you stop, this shit stops. <laughs> it just stops. And you feel it. Because as an elite athlete, you feel that. Yeah. And I think some of these guys are still chasing that. I mean, Connor is still chasing that. He, he, you know, he loves that feeling, which, you know, more power to him if he can still get there. But the difference between the life of a combat sports athlete and then regular life when it ends. <sighs> is really hard for people to adjust. It's yeah. very crazy because it's all about building up to these moments, these extreme moments. Oh, and, yeah. and you know, if you have a career that's 40 fights, you have 40 of these wild ass moments in your life. And then everything other than that is preparing for the next moment. It's like celebrating the victory of the moment, rebuilding from the defeat of the moment, training and getting ready for the next moment. Yeah. And then no more moments forever. It all goes <sighs> away. And for some people, that's hard. Nah. Some people find something cool to do, and they, they, you know they they find like a crazy hobby that they really enjoy, and they find something that really they could focus on. But I think for a guy who chases excellence his whole life, like yourself, it's very difficult to find something to do with that energy, because what you're doing is you're not just chasing excellence; you're chasing it globally. 
You're trying right. to be the most dominant person at 170 pounds on planet Earth, and you're succeeding at it, and you put forth this immense amount of concentration and determination and discipline and effort and thought and, and just focus and the process over and over again, day in and day out with incremental improvements. And, and then you have these moments and then boom, you land that right hand on Masvidal and he goes to sleep like that kind of moment. Yeah. And then the world cheers, but those go away. They go away. You have to find some sort of funnel for that energy. That that's, um, that's a very good way of putting it because, um, and I, like I said, I try to, I try to learn from the guys that have done it before. And that's one of the things, whether you win or lose, you're going to have, you're going to go up and down. You're going to have a come down. Yeah. And there's just, you know, moments where you feel the depression kind of setting a little bit and obviously worse when you, you do lose. And, and I recognize those and I've been, you know, over the years now I've been, you know, trying to kind of branch out and learn different ways and, and, and get into different things to to be able to to do that. And, you know, I've taken up, which I would love to have a conversation one day, you know, hopefully being in the same setting as Michael Jordan. I would love to have a conversation with a guy like that, you know, and the Tiger Woods and all these guys and have a conversation with them and just, you know, what is it like? I love learning. Yeah, yeah what, is, what is it like for you guys? Yeah. You know, but... Now I'm just, I'm starting to learn. I'm branching out. I, I took up tennis. I'm starting to learn tennis <laughs> tennis lessons. That seems like it's more golf fucked lesson. up for your knees. Yeah, golf lessons. I'm starting to you know take a little bit of lessons there, and and even in the business world, I, I've I've started to kind of dabble a little bit in that. Which that I've I've been screwed over a couple of times. Already, and like oh fuck, like that's what I'm saying. It's like it's hard when you're doing something like this because this has to take a lot of my attention. Right. And so, even in the business world, I've I've been you know I've been got a few times, Joe. <laughs> I was I've been got Joe. I mean I tell you two quick stories. One, first time I was got was got by this uh, some some girl in Miami uh, named Lisa Lisa Anderson or something like that, and she was uh, I guess a day trader, and you know, knew Rashad. So this was right. I became champion right after time with Lisa. First time I really made significant money. And and everyone, you know, tells you, oh, you got to, you have to invest, you have to invest, you have to invest. I'm like, oh fuck, okay, I need to start now, you know, to invest something. And you know, me and Rashad, I, I meet with some advisors, and I'm thinking about working with them. And that same day after that meeting, I I met with Rashad. Me and Rashad had lunch, and Rashad's like, oh yeah, I know this this girl who does investments and things like that. I was like, oh okay, you know, I didn't know how well. He knew her. He was just like, oh, I know this girl. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, you should probably holler at her. You know, so Rashad's always, that's like big brother. He's always trying to, like, help me out in this way and that way. So finally meet the girl, you know, like, eventually we connect. And she's she's not bad looking, you know. That's part <laughs> of the problem. That's how they get you. It's not bad looking. And and she just, you know, I guess games me up over time. And, and um Make a long story short, she got me out of like fifty-five bands, fifty-five thousand. Really? Got me. Haven't did, seen a dime what, back. What did she do? How'd she do it? She was a day trader, and we signed this contract to where, okay, you invest this amount, and this is the amount of interest that she can incur over time. Is it in a fund? 
in the fund, yeah, she had these close, these are small funds in uh, increments of, I think maybe half a million or 300,000, and I had different people in the fund, and whatever, whatever, you know, I don't know what she did, but eventually she, she got me for 55, you know, I tried to reach out to her to, to get the money back, nothing, and then over time, then she had messaged me, like, maybe a year later, like, hey, I'm sorry, I, I lost everything, I wanted to reach out to you, and blah 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 i just for me it was just like i'm not fucking getting it back so, so was she just making bad investments or did she swindle I have, it I, I have no idea it's south florida oh boy fucking it's, south florida so crazy oh which leads me to the next one. Oh my <laughs> god so this guy it's like it's a guy named pino and right away i'm nervous <laughs> and, and he's canadian you know from canada he owns this uh uh, franchise pizza pasta franchise in, in in Canada named Vivo, and and I met him through a mutual friend, you know, that I, I had in Florida, guy friend of mine that was, you know, smart guy into business, and the friend's like, hey, he has this restaurant that he's already has like five six locations in Canada doing well, blah blah blah, and and I just happened to go to Canada maybe 2017 or 2018. And then he's like, hey, come to these, come look at these restaurants. And I go look at them. And amazing. I mean, crowds, people. And I have the food. It's amazing. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But I'm still reluctant. Like, I, I don't know any, I don't know enough about this. And the guy, and the way he talks, you know, is Italian guy. He's like, hey, and he calls me Kumar. I'm like, that's not my name. He's like, Jesus it's like, <laughs> it's like hey, Kumar. <laughs> like, hey, hey, we, we're going to go here. We're going to eat and we're going to have a great time. I'm telling you, this is going to be the best ever you've ever. And I, I, and he talks like that. And he just, it's just something. You know, you have that intuition. Right. But I just, you don't fucking listen to it. You're just, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, he, He's like, okay, I'm coming down. I want to basically do the same thing in South Florida. I'm doing the chain and whatnot, and I, I'm still reluctant because all my advisors and, and, and my accountant says, don't get involved in a restaurant business. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, Especially if you don't know what you're doing. Don't do yeah. it. Yeah. So I listen. I listen for a while, and then I, he just somehow uses my friends, people around me, to get to me. So... All in all, we get a group, the guys of us. He gets us for like half a million. And, you know, he sells us the restaurant, like one of the business. And he, he got them because they were in for another location. So he got them for like over over a million. So the one I invested in was a different location. And he got us for half a million. But he turned around and sold it to, uh, uh, the same time, sold it, sold it to another couple like Paige and, I forget her name, Paige and Paul, someone. Got them for like half a million. Turns around, sells it to another one. Like, this is all, like, he sells the same restaurant to, like, three or four different people. Oh, my God. And I remember sometimes he would talk to us, and he'd say, you know, I just, I don't like these people down here in South Florida. They're a bunch of scammers. You know, I don't like these people. And when people talk about scammers, yeah. chances are they are the scammers. Right. And and he gets us for that much, and he's, he's I don't know, I think he's sold it to someone else now, a different group now. And the thing is, He's still walking around. What like you know, especially How much did me. He steal, all told. He got them for um, some of the, my friends. He got them for over a million, and, and then he got, he those got other us. People too. He got our group for another half a million. Then he got them for another half. The other group 
page and pop for like half a million. So a couple and million at least. He's, yeah. Oh, he's, but who knows how many people he's done that to? I mean, he's, cause he's got locations all through Canada. What's the name of the place? Vivo. Vivo pizza pasta so what does he like do that. he he sells it to a bunch of different he's a, people he's and a then fra- yeah he's a franchiser m- and then he's i think he's i don't i don't i don't want to speculate on what he's doing with the money but all i know is he, he sold us a, a, a location that we paid him for never was built the time where he said he would be built nothing anything like that and then now he's saying he didn't get money from us while we're like here's the receipts he's like no i didn't get that much it's like what? What? And he Here's lives in receipts. Canada. He lives in Florida and Canada. So he's like, like I could see him around in Florida. Jesus Christ. He he would probably be in a restaurant. Like he, it's a close place where we live. So he, I could probably see him in a restaurant. He's just sitting there eating. What would you probably do? Probably swindling someone else. I don't know. I probably nothing. You know the the smart the smart individual that the smarter individual that I am now probably nothing because that's just an opportunity for him to get more money out of me. Like if I go up and and let's say he decides to, I'm gonna get brave and talk reckless to him because he knows he's gonna provoke me and try to get in my face and do this. Like what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, people like that. I can't hit him. I can't. You know, like I'm a boy. I'm a man. At some point, I'm gonna want to get physical. You know, I can't do that because if I do do that, it's like yes. Now I get more money out of him. Can you sue you him? Know? Yeah, we're. I think we're we're in the process of of trying to do that. But it's how it's long so, has this been going on? Oh, it's for a while, over a year. That's why I don't yeah. get involved. Yeah, I don't get involved in anything. People ask me to invest in stuff. I'm like, yeah. you're on your own, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any time, man. I know. I know. I have and, zero time. For but that. these are all lessons. These are yeah. all things that I, I'm learning. And it's a good and, attitude. Yeah, that, that is that is how you have to look at it. They really are just lessons. Yeah, and the whole thing with my same thing with my daughter is like. Now with this loss, it's it's she doesn't give a shit. That's great. Like the next day, she's like, "Oh, I gotta go to school. Hey, can I go to this park and play? Can I go do this?" And I, my daughter doesn't right. care. You know, yeah, I have to live with it, but I'm I'm in a rare. I get a rare opportunity to rebuild, to work myself up, and show her that look, it's not the end of the world. Like you could still get back to this point. You could still do something, and so. Yeah, that was it was it was weird to me that you know people would speak on that and, and negatively about that, and Connor would say something about yeah, that's why I don't bring my family or I wouldn't bring my family. Well, he's just no. trying to fuck with you. I think yeah, but I there don't, was a time he, where he was angling towards a fight with you. Yeah, but I don't. I, that's the thing is I don't. You, I gave him an opportunity to fight me. He didn't take it. So was like, this post Poirier fight when he broke his leg or before that? Before that. Oh yeah, before that. Before I gave him an opportunity, he didn't want to do it. Like he broke his leg. Like I didn't. Even when he broke his leg, I didn't kick him while I was down. That's a very tough injury, you know. I almost felt for him. I almost wanted to even send him a message and say, "Hey, man, you, you know, heal up. You'll be back." Like I, I would do. That's just kind of who I am. This right. is sport. It's yeah. It's fucking sport. At the end of the day, you're still a human being. If I saw you on the side of the road and you needed help or something was wrong, if I could, I would 100 percent try to help. There's a few people that pass you right know. by. Yeah, okay, you people yeah, I honk I, my I, horn. <laughs> I go, hey, good luck, fuck face. 
Yeah, maybe maybe that that guy now in Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck Pino. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I'll probably, that dude. I'll probably be like, yeah, yeah. I'll probably want. Bro, that. you got a flat tire. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. No help. I hope your phone runs out of batteries. <laughs> fuck out of here, you crook. Yeah. There's but, so much scamming going on in South Florida. Oh my God! So, so, so much, much partying, so many partiers. And it's a it's a unique place. It, it definitely is. Yeah. It's like a it's like a country, a different country in its own. Yeah, because it's and South Florida is it's it's almost like it's a service industry. Like anything you need serviced, they mm. service it for you in South Florida. Mm. That yeah. it's that so a lot of people are, are, are posing and, and and trying to pose and right. do that, that right. you know that they're this and that but it's it's really not that that's a great way know. to put it like a service industry they're yeah. almost talking to you like salespeople yeah everything is yeah. everything is a sale you know whether it's it's whether it's it's physical mental emotional or financial or everything <laughs> 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 they're selling everything they're I mean, selling everything on, in south man. florida how many girls got rich just scamming rich dudes in oh. florida there's a whole industry <sighs> whole industry <laughs> you know the the, the nightlife and, yeah. and 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 the business and and yeah. just everything and everyone's moving and shaking and now oh, yeah. everyone wants to get involved in nfts they all want to talk to you about NFTs and, uh, you know, are you into crypto? Because we're going to get you into crypto, bro. You're like, you got a crypto wallet? You're like, huh? What? Yeah. I do actually have a crypto wallet. I have, th- <laughs> I have three. Well, there's nothing wrong with crypto. Yeah. But it's the people that get involved in do it. Do you have crypto? Yeah, I've got some. i got some yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah, but i got some Bitcoin, it's too. It's the people that get into that that recognize there's a lot of fuckery in NFTs and Bitcoin. Yeah. It's like what NFTs in particular. It's like what is that? Like yeah. what's going on there? I have no I have I've I don't I've, I've had it explained to me a dozen times or more. I don't get it. I still don't get it, but at the same time, I'm not ignorant in recognizing that things are moving a certain way. Yeah. I I can't like the whole the whole metaverse thing. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous to me the fact that they're selling real estate in a in a make this is a place that's not in a make believe universe they're selling people are actually paying money yeah. for this is wild to I me I found out from my friend Tim Dillon he was on the podcast he goes do you own any virtual real estate and I'm like what <laughs> what are you talking about and then Jamie had to pull up all the the different kinds of virtual real estate you could buy now people like companies are buying it what they're buying up b- big swaths of virtual reality, like what does it even mean? What, yeah, what is like? I guess the idea is like get in early, and then if it yeah. is very valuable, you you were you got in early, so you got this virtual real estate before it, you know, the the price skyrocketed. But if it's okay, this is the thing. If it's a virtual real estate, like there's no endless to the there's no end to the possibilities. Then. I don't. Get so it. then how how does it how is it valuable? I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it at all. I, I, I scratch my head and I go, I, can't anybody just make virtual real estate? Can't you keep making more virtual yeah. real estate? Like, how controlled is this whole metaverse thing? Is there only going to be one? Is there going to be multiple metaverses? It's weird the things that we as humans put value on. Mm-hmm. It's 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 weird, weird to me. And... Oh, I had an experience with with my daughter with this, and I my uh, actually Ali uh, bought her a pair of shoes 
one time for a birthday and and it was the you know the balenciagas like that like you pull on like socks they feel like socks some of the most comfortable shoes i've worn and i wouldn't me at that point and yeah i have enough money to, to buy them i wouldn't i wouldn't buy those they were like eleven hundred dollars I'm like no fucking way I'm gonna buy those, and then the kids' size were like seven hundred dollars. No way in hell I'm gonna spend seven hundred for and my kid. She's gonna kid. grow out of them. Well, she's gonna grow out of them in a in a month or <laughs> yeah. a couple of months. So I'm like no, but you know Ali wanted to just buy her something. So I was like, bro, it was it was such a thoughtful and special gift. So I buy it, and he buys it, and I give it to her, and she loves them, and she's like, oh man, these are great. And I remember as soon as I gave it to her, and I said that to her, I said, hey. Don't wear this to school because cause I know when she goes to school, she's just going to play. Recess, they have recess twice a day. She's going to wreck those quickly. And I'm like, don't you don't want to wear them to school because you don't want to mess them up. So I said, and I'm going off of the experience that what my parents would tell me. And so I'm gone. I think I, I go out of town for something. I had to go do a show or something. And I come back the next week and I see the shoes. They were like wrecked. I was like, Samir, did you wear your shoes to school? And I, and I, Instantly, I caught myself. I'm like, I have to be careful how I approach this with her. I was like, hey, did you wear these to school? And she's like, yeah. I was like, well, did you see how dirty they are? She's like, yeah, but we can just clean them. And, you know, she kind of talks to me like that, like the little smart, smart sass. Now. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, we, we could clean them. So we clean them. And she, you know, she start, and at this point, I was just like, oh, fuck, who cares? She's just going to wear them anyways. So she's wearing them. Then the next week she goes to uh, gymnastic practice, and I didn't know I was uh, I was somewhere. I think I was in Denver, and training, and so she calls me, she FaceTimes me, some random number FaceTimes me, and she was it was her at gymnastics. I don't think waiting to be picked up. Her mom was waiting to pick her up, and she was with one of her friends. She calls me and she goes, "Hey, daddy, can you um?" And we're talking. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's going on? She's sitting next to another girl, little girl. And she goes, um, my friend, I forget her name. My friend loves my shoes. Can you buy her a pair of shoes? Whoa. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember in my head, and I was just like, in my head, I'm like, fuck, what? Fuck no. You know how much? I didn't even buy those for you. You know how much those cost? You know, in my head, I'm thinking this, but then I'm. I had to snap into very quickly. I had to catch myself. And I'm just like, she doesn't know and she doesn't care what the, those shoes are. We put value on it. We as adults have put a value that those shoes are worth $700. She doesn't give a shit. She doesn't know and she doesn't care. All she cares about, the value that she cares is making her friend feel good for wanting to have the same shoes that she has. That's all she cares about. And in my head, I'm like, those are fucking $700. I'm not buying those. I didn't even buy you those ones. I'm not I'm not doing that. But she's just like, hey, can you buy these for my friends? She just wanted to make her friend feel good. And I had to catch myself. And me and Eddie Alvarez, we talked about, had a conversation about this. And I was just like, wow. So crazy how, it's like kids got this shit figured out mentally. They don't care. There's no attachment to that $700 pair of shoes. They don't give a shit. All they care about is the experience and how their friend is going to feel when they give them this gift. And and I remember I had caught myself. I was like, holy shit. I can't. 
I this should I have to approach certain things differently. Mm. Like this little girl is teaching me so much and, and and enhancing me so much, even with my relationships and how I deal with them now and deal with maybe a loss of a relationship or, or gaining a new one. How you deal with them, I'm learning so much so fast. It's almost like, and I I still feel like I felt when I was 12, but I'm fucking 35. <laughs> like this is probably how you know how we we'll see 60 year olds that are doing young things and you, you're like at your age you're 60 you don't know they just feel a certain way they, they still feel the same well we're assuming that when you get to be a certain age you're going to run out of energy yeah and you're going to be exhausted and so you should act your age fairly fairly fairly, fairly accurate assessment yeah that's yeah. what happens with most people but you could you can keep that shit going a lot longer than most people do. The problem is most people are lazy. Yeah. And they just don't take care of their body. And they don't, you got to take care of your body the entire time. Yeah. So if you get to some people and they're like 70 years old and like act your age, like, why should he? Yeah. Why should he? He's fucking healthy. He's out there running around doing shit. That's yeah. what you should do if you can. Oh, yeah. We just also assume that people get broken down by jobs, too. They're broken down by work and responsibilities, and, you know, you just got to be some boring person who can't yeah. be silly about shit, can't have fun. Joe, you're living. This is, I mean, I don't I don't live your life, so I can't really, I can't really, you know, speak on it. But if I, I know how I feel when I'm home in my house. I don't want to leave. And yeah, of course, now people make it a lot harder for me to even want to be outside, be around people. But I don't want to leave. I can stay in my house all day and just be there. Yeah. But this setup, like here, I would never leave. <laughs> Do you have a bed here? No. You don't have a bed here? No, I'd probably sleep here if I did. Yeah, I would. I would. I would probably build. That's probably one of the things that I build. I'd build a room here with a bed, a comfortable bed, and just. I would never leave. You got your gym here. You got your your recovery, your therapy, your sauna and cold tub and all yeah. of that here. I would never leave. I have that shit at home too. That it's like <laughs> that shit's important. That's life, sauna. Life like, yeah, I got that at home too. That, that that's is, why I don't leave my house. You know, people want like what is it, what's a great luxury item? A sauna and a cold plunge. Yeah. If you're an athlete, if you're a person who works out all the time, sauna and a cold plunge. If you're a person who values your immune system, wants your recovery to be better, you want to reduce inflammation in your life, sauna and a cold plunge. Yeah. Get those two motherfuckers back to back. Do 20 minutes in that sauna and do like three to five minutes in that cold plunge. And you get out, you're a different human. You're a different human. And then if you do it all the time, your body has so much more resilience. You bounce back from things so much better. Do you think it's beneficial to go more than the three to five minutes? Probably not. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. I did 20 minutes once. It wasn't smart. Yeah, me neither. I, me I, did, I did it too. I think the most I did, do? I did uh, I think 18 minutes. Yeah, you feel fucked up for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you show mental toughness. But then for days, my body's like, what is wrong? Everything yeah. feels weird. I, I That's exactly how I felt. And I did, it was one, I was just building up to it in camp. Mm -hmm. And I would, um, I think it was uh, maybe the Masvidal camp. That's Masvidal too. I would, I would go and cold plunge over with uh, Rose and Pat. After we'd work out, we'd get in there. And I would start, I think we started at, usually I'd do eight minutes. And then I started 10. 10 is like my thing. I, 10 minutes, I get in there. And then I started, I just kept going. It was like uh, 12 minutes. And then one day I was just, I got into that zone, what I was talking about a lot earlier 
in camp. I got into it like maybe a week or two before I was done with camp. So I was just in there and I was just like, no. And he was, Pat came out. I was like, oh yeah, that's time. Like, it's okay. All right. Well, are you using on. one where they pour the ice in the water? I used to. I used to. That, at Rosenpat, we did that one. But now Justin has one that is like has the filter and the pumps and everything. It's just yeah. the water. That shit that's is cold. That's the shit. That yeah. shit is cold. And that's when I did all this camp. And I would. I think I did maybe like eight, ten minutes. That's a in lot. That one. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. Those are the real ones, though. That's where you get the real work. So like, some people brag about the the ice plunge. I'm like, stick, put a fucking thermometer in that bitch. That shit's 48 degrees. That ain't nothing. Nah, that, like, it's yeah, not that, that cold. Justin's, this one was fucking cold. Those are the real I, ones. Like, Morosco Forge, that, I have one of those at home, and that, that fucker's at 33, 34 degrees. There's always ice floating <laughs> in it. And then the one here, the Blue Cube, is 37 degrees, but... It's moving. The water's moving. Yeah, so it's I like you're in a fucking Pat cold yeah. river. Well, not Pat, uh, Justin. You're Justin in a 37 Gage. degree river. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I got it. The first one, I, the first time I, this time I went in. And I go in hands too. Because actually, the first day I did, my little brother kept telling me, yeah, yeah, put your hands in there. Put your hands. That's the way he tells me. What, you weren't it. doing the hands? I was, I weren't put, I would go, I would go like neck up, but I would put my hand up. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you know someone breaks in the house i need yeah, to be able to hop out, out yeah i gotta get out quick so i that day i just i think it was maybe my brother telling me to put my hands in was kind of like no nah, i'm not putting my hands in i'm good i'm good and i needed it because this is the one i just had surgically repaired i should have put it in that day so i didn't and it was it was cold I mean, because you know what hit you hit that wall about two three minutes in, yeah, and then it's once I get through that, then I'm just in there, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. That's when I start pushing the limits of what I can do, and and yeah, Trevor's Trevor's been doing it now, like he just does it every day. Him and his wife, they'll do it every day. And Justin is still, eh, he has it in his house, but I think he's still questionable whether he'll do it or not <laughs> does he have anything scheduled no i don't think not yet he's still chilling he's still taking some time but he's it's kind of like me like you know he, he'll come in the gym he'll watch me train and then he'll like punch the bag you know or like hit the other bag it's kind of fun when we come in our gym at onyx we have all the little gadgets and different things that Trevor has and uses to train us. So it's like, it's hard to, for me, it's hard to walk by a speed bag and not punch it. Hmm. It's very hard. I'm like, okay, let me just hit it once. Well, let me see if I got the little pattern. Next thing you know, I'm there five minutes. I'm just running the bag. And so Justin's kind of like that. He'll Trevor the makes gym. the best fucking equipment. Oh, yeah. His MMA gloves should be adopted by all organizations. The fact that the UFC and him haven't come to some sort of an agreement doesn't make any sense to me. Because the UFC gloves that they use are so inferior to the to the gloves that Trevor makes. Those yeah. Onyx MMA gloves, yeah. I think you would have less eye pokes because they make your hand it curve. forces your hand yeah. to curve. Yeah, forces your hand to curve. I think we'd have less hand breaks because I think it offers better support for your hands. Yeah. He... That's the thing with Trevor. Trevor's such a, his mind is always, yeah. he's, he builds everything, yeah. builds everything, fixes everything. And and that was the biggest thing is is he wanted to, because, you know, fighters, we always hurt our hands, we always yeah. break our hands. And he was like, man, how, his mind's always going, how can I create something that's better 
to for your hands so that can enhance it and enhance it and so his gloves even the the big the 16 ounces the x-factor gloves are amazing they're the shit and the mma the mma ones i think eventually like you know people are just slow the world is slow like that sometimes you know when you when you tell people hey i have this thing that's gonna help people are kind of like uh well we'll see but then when someone else adopts it and starts using it it's like oh yeah we yeah we got to do that we got to do that so i think it'll take a little bit of time but I just think forever, it get it'd be great for him and it'd be great for the UFC. Just sell Absolutely. it. Just, just, UFC should just come along and buy it. Buy that design. It's the yeah, best Yeah, but it has design. to make sense. Yeah, they should give him the right amount of money. You know, it's the, yeah. it, it's, he did the work. He made the best glove. It's the best. Anybody that I give it to, like we had one at the old studio, yeah. I'd go try this shit on. And they put it on and they'd be like, Oh fuck! Like this is better. It makes you want. To, it's better. <laughs> makes you want to throw a punch. Yeah, yeah, it's better. It's better support for your hand. Yeah. I mean, in his bag gloves and his sparring gloves, the the uh, Velcro ones. The, like Justin told me, he doesn't even wear hand wraps. No, Justin. Yeah, they they're built to where you don't have to wear hand. Yeah, wraps. I mean that second strap yeah. that tightens their shit down. Like you really feel like you could just hit things with them. Yeah, I still gotta wear hand wraps. Now your hand surgery that you had, how yeah. long did it take you to recover? I think the doc said about four months, and but then after the four months, because I wanted to right away, I wanted to start hitting the back because I wanted to. I was going to try to push myself and fight an international fight fight weekend. I wanted to headline there, but um, yeah, the doc was like, "Yeah, that's that's kind of close, too close to comfort." Because I would start punching right away and, you know, God forbid you hit someone's skull. Right. And I don't want to split that back up and just do, you know, permanent what, what damage. What did they have to do to your hand? So, I once I, I kept feeling pain. I was like, yo, something's wrong with my hand. You know, because it was like this tendon right here, when you push on this finger, would just kind of give. And I was like, that's... That's not normal because usually that I pride myself on my grip. When I when I grab, it's not going anywhere. But this, I'm having an issue. But it wasn't necessarily a lot of pain, you know, when you hit right away. And so I would kept I kept saying it and saying it. So they made me get an MRI. But I got the MRI like this, so they couldn't really see it. So what happened was I had a cut. I had this this tendon right here that that folds the hand the finger up and down split in two this way mm. so when i have my hand straight it's hard to see it but when you go like that it just opens up so uh. i had a hole in it and my hand and How'd they i find kept that punching out? it was this doctor in uh in california that that was his specialty uh, uh. dr shin and and this is what he does and he's like yeah i've dealt with a few boxers and a few uh you know fighters and basketball players to where i know that injury it's hard to see but you know, he had a thought of maybe that's what's going on. And then once he went in there, he's like, yep, you got it. And he, I come out of surgery. He's like, show me the pictures that he took on his iPhone. He's like, look, look at this. I'm like, <laughs> you he's like, yep, just what I thought. And I just had a hole in my hand mm. from that. So he had to go in and stitch it like this together. And so it healed like that. So now I have function, you know, with it. So it's still a little bit of scar tissue right there. Compared to this one, but it uh, feels a hundred percent. I don't know if anything's a hundred percent. Once you get cut into, I don't know if that's that's not the way yeah. God made you, or that's not the way that you were born. So I don't know if I would say a hundred percent, but 
definitely feels good. Well, that's a very important point about fighters going into fights is that they're very, very rarely 100%. Oh yeah, and athletes, you 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 know, when you step into the octagon, you look a hundred percent. Shit, look at him; he looks amazing. So everybody assumes there's nothing wrong, but like, how many times have you had a fight <laughs> where you got some shit wrong? Um, now it's if 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 I'm going into a fight and there's nothing wrong, I'm like, oh, did I prepare enough? Mm. Did I do enough in this camp? I think almost every fight, something has been really really wrong to where i could have been like yeah i can't fight and there's evidence the doctors say yeah i don't recommend you to fight something has definitely been wrong every fight every fight every fight what's the worst thing <sighs> i don't know you kind of have to pick your poison on that one like before mass fadal 2 I didn't throw a punch with my right hand for three weeks until because of that fight injury? night. Yeah, until fight night. I didn't throw my right hand until, no, not Masvidal, before uh, Colby. Colby, too. I didn't throw a punch for three weeks until fight night. Um, Masvidal was my, I think, my leg, my knee, yeah, something happened with my knee i got kicked in the knee boom just went out so i was for like three for like two three weeks leading up to the fight i was just like bro i'm i don't think i could fight and for this last one my hamstring <laughs> just popped three four weeks before and i didn't throw a right kick until fight night for this one and did it limit my mobility maybe but who cares? I'm the biggest thing for me is I'm I'm grateful that I've made it there. The biggest fight is that weight cut. To make the weight the night before that's the biggest one. What do you walk around at? Um now that I'm getting older, I'm starting to get up there. So I'm like maybe in like ninety five. Well, that's not I would too say bad. in between ninety five and two hundred. That's not that bad for one seventy. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm walking around and maybe six, seven percent body fat. Yeah. At my fattest. So I think like my threshold is like 185, 84, 85. That's where I'm like really down of all fats. Then the rest has to be muscle and, and water. So yeah. That, that's, that's painful. George Lockhart was explaining this to me, and he was saying that people with a lot of muscles like yourself, it's actually easier for them to cut weight than skinny people or people that have fat. Yeah. Because like you don't get a lot of water out of fat. He said you get into water out of the muscle tissue. Yeah, I've I've tried that, and I think when I fought, when I didn't fight actually, the most muscular I was was when Tyron Woodley fought Darren Till in Dallas. I I weighed in as an alternate for that, for that fight, because in my head I was gonna be I was gonna fight for this title, whether Darren Till made the weight or whether Tyron Woodley made did, whether Darren Till did make it or Tyron Woodley did make it, I was gonna step in. I was prepared to step in. And I was that was most muscular in the, that camp. I prepared for two different styles, two different guys, and I was really muscular. And I got thirteen off in two hours. I think that was the, that was a video that Will did. That was out. I did thirteen pounds in two hours, and, and I was. What are you doing to get thirteen pounds off in two hours? <laughs> uh, just working, uh, work. I over the I used to run on the treadmills, but clearly that doesn't work anymore. So now I'll, I'll do elliptical. And sauna, elliptical and sauna. 
those two and just a little bit of work back and forth between. and back and forth elliptical and i probably do an hour on the elliptical and once i get done with that i've got a pretty good sweat going and now i can do the sauna and alternate do some time in the sauna come out go back in come out but it's almost like my body knows mm. it just knows what we're about to go through right without me telling it knows hey we're gonna cut today we're gonna be do this so it just naturally starts doing it and one time once i'm in that process it just starts coming off and it comes off and it's it shocks me every time because now i can pretty much know i know when to stop what does it feel like when you actually hit 170 though I've never given uh, birth to a child, but uh, I would say I, I want to say those are comparable pains because I it's it's unexplainable because your body's is dying. Yeah, you know it's actually dying because it, the organs require fluids and all of that, and you've just taken all of that out. So it's it's just slowly dying, and you're just there waiting to step on the scale, and. And you and people think, oh, you made one seventy. Now you're good. No, it takes takes some time for you to start to feel good again. When do you feel good again? Like how many hours? I want to say like eight hours after is when I start starting to feel like normal again. Eight hours after. And what is? Do you have a protocol that you follow as oh, far yeah. as rehydration? Oh yeah, it's um, and I've I've done it every wrong way. So, but for me, the best way is like now oral hydration. You know, knowing when to put in the sodium, the magnesium, and certain things that, you know, step by step. And that's what, you know, big shout out to Clint and the guys at the uh, the PI. You know, they have a whole protocol and a process to getting those fluids back in you, the electrolytes, you know, the, the carbohydrates and the certain things back in your body that's going to hold that water. And, you know, it takes a, it's a process. It yeah, takes some time. And, and oh you got the rubber God. suit on too. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that aids in, in getting it off. And see, at this moment, it's it, it gotta hold you up because your body's just wrecked. Yeah, I, I've watched certain people get on the scale. Like, yeah, and you you see them shuffling to the scale, and you're like, I can't believe this guy has to fight in a day. For me, by at this point, by the time I get here, it's 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 my body just. It's just on autopilot. It knows what to do. I could I could stand there and it's just, you know, I'm not hungry. You can see it in your eyes. Yeah. I'm just like your that's eyes are the battle. Sunken in. Yeah, this is yeah. the battle right here. And yeah. I just I just went through that. The fight's a bonus. What do you think about the possibility of eliminating that? Do you think that's ever possible to eliminate weight cutting? Like if they had more weight classes, they had hydration tests like they do in college for wrestling. Do you think that they could do that? Or at least make it more safe. I mean, I, that's everything is relative. Like it's it's all an individual choice. But if they invented it now, see, like you could try, but people are still going to try to beat the system. And so, but that's not all I'm saying. I'm saying, like, imagine if you just weighed in at yeah. what you weighed in and you fought, like you weigh one ninety five, oh, yeah, that would fight one ninety five. That would be great. It would be the best, right? Yeah, that would be and great. if someone came along and said, "I got an idea. How about you pretend you're one seventy? And you get down to 170. You almost get on death's door 24 hours before the fight. And then you could rehydrate. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would I do that? That yeah. would weaken me. Yeah. That's like saying, why don't you go out and party? 
the yeah. night before. But you'll rehydrate. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll just drink some tequila. Tequila's clean. <laughs> That's the excuse now. There's like, oh, it's plant-based. It's plant-based. It's good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's plant-based. <laughs> it's plant-based. It comes from a plant, so it's, yeah. it's healthy. It's good for you. Yeah. It's. I, I just think it's the dumbest thing. I, I, I think it, it makes me angry that we haven't come up with a solution. I think because, it's the culture, you know. It was the culture yeah, that you know, for wrestling it's to get there. Culture. Yeah, yeah. So it's, but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. Like, I've you know, you compete against those guys, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I wrestle with them and I train with them and I'm bigger guys to where it's not that big of a problem. But Do you see just, how much weight Alex Pereira is uh, is cutting before he fights Izzy? No, how big is he? I know he's big. He was over two twenty. What? Yeah. Over 220 with 9% body fat. I think he weighed 226. 232 uh, a couple weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Can 232. Months to cut so he's oh, yeah. got three For months to cut 47. 100%. He's, he's going to do it. Ask you. You're like, yeah, I can do that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, just, that's, a, that's a four-day process. He's a big fella. He's yeah. very big. Yeah, he's he's actually, I, I knew a middleweight that was bigger. Uh, you remember Caesar Freher? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Caesar was a like he Mutante. looked like a Greek god. Yeah, Mutante. Yeah. Yeah, he's big, looked like a Greek god. He's tall, and he just he cut a lot of weight. And at one point, that... he got to 170. Oh, my God. That's right. He did. Jesus yeah. Christ. Look at the abs on that motherfucker. Yeah. Damn. At one point, he got to 170. I was just like, holy shit. How? Yeah, it's hard well, He to does it. Well, he was uh, Vitor's uh, yeah. guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that guy was too big for the weight class. So there's a point of diminishing returns, right? When yeah. you cut 100%. too much weight and then you never really fight at 100% because you're always weakened by the weight cut. Yeah. Because I know one championship is uh, they've implemented some sort of hydration strategy that apparently didn't go well during the last weigh-ins. There's a bunch of people that like missed hydration and missed weight and... Oh, and by the way, shout out to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I know. I was, I was going to say that. Still what a savage. doing it. Still doing it. What a Wins savage. the world title over at one. I mean, he's got to be. How old is Mighty Mouse at this point in the game? Uh, 36, I think. Maybe. He is one of the greatest of all time. That, that guy is so yeah. fucking talented. So talented. And the way he set that knee up. The way he, uh, he hits him with the right hand and there's like a just, pause, not yeah. yet, not yet, boom, yeah. lands it perfectly. He's another fighter that intelligently is one of the best. When he was know? at the top in the flyweight division in the UFC, he would you would see guys trying to solve this puzzle of this guy who's here and then he teleports to here and then he's kneeing you in the body, and then he's over here, and then he's got your back. Boom! Yeah. Perfect timing in that. <laughs> just, and then walks off. off. <laughs> See ya. Look at that. Hits him with the right <laughs> hand. <laughs> Bing! I got you. Look how he spins away. Like, I got you. <laughs> I know that's over. He just knew just by the way it impact is like, there's no way you're but, getting out but of that look at one. This, look at the size difference, though. Look at look how big the other guy was. Oh, he's pretty big. To him. But they're fighting one thirty five now, you know, because he's not wait, he's never gonna fight one twenty five again, yeah. he said. So their fly weight is one thirty five. And their idea is move everybody up ten pounds, move you know, create more weight class opportunities for these people. Look at how he does this. It's just his timing and his awareness. I mean, and this is the guy who's been at the top of the game for a long time now. You know, you go back to that first fight that he beat Cejudo. I mean, come on, man. Look at that. Boom. 
Oh, perfect in the air. Oh, he's, mighty mouse. He's he's one of the greatest. You know, even clip to me is that when he when he did the Ray Borg. Ray Borg, yeah. <laughs> that was such a ninja move. Oh, catches the arm bar in midair. In midair while he's slamming him, catches what the arm ninja. bar. And he said, I practice that all the time. I'm like, can you imagine being his fucking trading partner? You're getting suplexed and arm barred on the way down. Like, fuck. Could you imagine me doing that? Oh, my God. To a, to a well, fighter. that was something that DC, here it is. Let's take a look at this. Look, he hooks it yeah. as he's going down. I mean, that is incredible. The timing on that is just pristine. He had so Jeez. many great that, fights. The, the finish was just as good as the celebration. You know, they it's don't just, talk about him. They don't bring him up, man. It's just really weird. Like, the UFC doesn't promote him anymore. Like, now that well, he's I mean, gone and he goes to another organization... Yeah. But it's still the fights that he had in the UFC. Like when they show that whole, uh, you know, that uh, when they play the Who, they ha they have that music and they yeah. have that compilation. How the fuck do you not have Mighty Mouse in that? Because he's no longer with the company. What? I think I think when he's Ever. I think when he's done from over there, I think there because UFC owns all those intellectual properties. They own yeah. all of that. So I think when he's done over there, where he can't give them shine over there anymore, right? I think they'll they'll start to bring it out because he's. Is he I mean, not in the Hall of Fame? Not now. Not now. He's a, he's fighting for a different organization, you know. <sighs> Whatever. It's just so it's politics, but I think I what he's done, get absolutely. In my world, that doesn't make absolutely. any sense. Like you when gotta recognize done, for that for sure. The guy's one of the greatest champions ever, ever. I he's agree. one of the best. When he was at the top, man, he was like untouchable. It was wild how you'd watch him move. Yeah. Like his footwork and his positioning was so good. And he could do everything. He could submit you. He could knock you out. He could tune you up on the feet. He could take you down at will. The one time the one time I bet against him was when he fought Dotson the first time. I think John really? Dotson. Because I had known John Dotson from season 14 of The Ultimate Fighter. And John Dotson was like a little ninja. He's like a physical a freak. Ball of energy. Ooh, and he's got power, power in his hand for a guy that size. Yeah, I'm like, man. hey, this guy could probably touch DJ. And then I just watched DJ do what he does. I was like, yeah, I think. He was that good. He was that yeah. good. And that's also like one of those examples with, um, there's a few of those examples. We have this real wizard trainer who has the star pupil. And then you get to see like how good that trainer is because there's an athlete that's good enough to represent that guy's understanding of the sport. Yeah. And that's like Matt Hume and him. That's that kind of relationship that they've always had. Oh, yeah. And th there are coaches like that. And I think, mm -hmm. I mean, you see that um, with Trevor and, yeah. and how he's able to handle me. And with three different guys, me, Justin, and Rose. I mean, you know, does an amazing job. And, yeah. and Ro I, I still, to this day, I think Rose is, phew, some of the things that she can do is is amazing. What did you think about that last fight? <sighs> I mean, not her best, obviously. What does she think about that fight? Like, what did she, I mean, she wrote something apologizing <laughs> about it, but, like, why did she fight like that? Like, what was that? I don't know. I mean, you, know, you never really know, but I think she's, for her now, I think she's in a place where she's made peace with it to where I'm just, I'm over it. Mm. You know, I'm over it. I don't That's even want to think about it. I've made peace with it. You know, so I, I don't know what she's thinking as far as her future. 
whether she wants to fight again or whether she doesn't want to fight again. You know, it, I would be sad if she doesn't fight again because. So she may not uh, fight again. You think? I don't know. You know, you never know what she's thinking. I mean, she's she's such a she's so talented. I mean, she can do anything. Have you ever watched her play the piano? Yeah, I was just gonna she bring that up. She can do anything. Yeah. She can play the piano. She can go back to school, and and she's smart and she's intelligent. So she, they can do and she can do anything that she wants to do. She certainly could. So, I don't know. I, I would be bummed if she doesn't fight again, but. Uh, you know, it's got to end sometime, though. I mean, if it ends now, it sucks that it ends on that fight. That's yeah. what sucks because yeah. it's not like it ends on the Joanna the fight, which she KO'd her, or, or or when she KO'd Zhang Wei Li. You know, to to lose on that fight where it was so perplexing, like it yeah. didn't make any sense. Like no one was engaging. Yeah, it was just weird. I I would love to see her get that one back. But I think they they, they already announced that Carla's fighting. She's uh, gonna fight Zhang Weili. Zhang Weili, which yeah. is, I mean, that's that would be sad to watch. Let's say Zhang Weili goes and takes the title from Carla. Mm -hmm. That would be sad to watch her walk around with the title when, you know, Rose has bested her twice. The second fight was close. It was close. The second yes. fight was a very good fight. The first fight, that head kick was brilliant. <laughs> God damn, that was beautiful. You did, I didn't even. You didn't even see it. Yeah. Just, and even even. Um, what's her name? Even Jean Weili didn't even. She thought it was gonna be an inside kick. Jean Weili is no fucking joke. That oh, lady yeah. is a monster. That, when you wa watching her knock out Yuana like that with a spinning back fist, I was like, Jesus. It was tough because I, uh, you know, I like Yuana too, and it's I do too. Like, and Yuana had her, and that's the thing. This sport changes so fast. So fast. <laughs> I we forget that Yuana went on a run when she was just defending, defending, defending. What she had like what five title defenses or something like that, five or yeah. six. She was just defending the belt, and she was the boogie boogie man. You know, yeah. no, everyone was. And when she beat Carla, boom. when she bloodied up oh, Carla yeah. and, and battered her, Jesus Christ, she was good. Yeah. She was so good. So it was a it was a tough one to watch, but you know, they there's you can just see how deep now the women mm -hmm. are getting. You know, you oh. have Jean Willy, you you know, Willy, you have Joanna, you have Rose, you know, you have Jessica Andrade, you mm -hmm. like they're those weight class are getting deeper and deeper and you have younger girls now that are coming out, you, you know, Miranda Maverick, you have what is that, Macy Barbara, you mm -hmm. have a you know, a couple of these girls that are getting better and better in there. And some of those fights, like Juliana Pena and Amanda oh, yeah. Nunes, it's one of the best title fights I've ever seen in my fucking oh, life. Yeah. That shit was wild. Did you see the? Did you see those two little girls? They were. They might have been. I think one was like nineteen, and the other one was maybe twenty. Uh, one was Mexican, one was Brazilian. They were both like Juliana, I think so. How long ago was this? It was literally like uh, two, three, three weeks ago. They fought on the uh, card in Vegas. Um, what card was that? It was um, was that wild one, and they had the the um, the African kid fight that Nate the Train guy. Oh, that wild fight! Yes. It was like back to back fight. Yes. It was the two girls. Did you see That's that? That's right. Yes, I did. Oh, wow. I watched it on TV. That was a, a Apex Center fight. Yeah, Apex yeah, Center yeah, fight. Yeah. And oh man, what! fights but that's what people want yeah people want to see the blood people want to see yeah. the back and forth this guy's hurt they come back and that guy's hurt and they come back but when you're just dominating people don't want to watch that people are like ah they kind of do yeah. too they like all of it they like a dominant champion who just kills everybody and then they like back and forth scraps 
Okay, then look at the Israel fight. Why does Israel get flagged? Because people are dumb. That's why. Yeah. This is why. If you want to fight Jared Cannonier, you better fight him that way. Yeah. Because Jared Cannonier will knock you into the fucking next dimension. Like, that guy is a huge 185 yeah. who has ruthless knockout power. He was knocking people out at heavyweight, heavyweight, knocking people out at light heavyweight, and knocking people dead at 185. If you want to fight Jared Cannonier, you got to fight that way. That's oh, yeah. my same criticism of people that were saying that Wonder Boy, when the, uh, Tyron Woodley fought Wonder Boy, that he fought him wrong. Like, no, yeah. he's the only guy who fought him right. Yeah. You have to fight him that way. You got to make him come to you and then counter him. Like yeah. You cannot be involved in a chasing down one of the best counter-strikers that's ever competed in the welterweight division. You can't fucking do that. That's, that's a way to lose your title. If you want to fight the right way, you fight the way Tyron did, and he beat him twice. Yeah, but people don't. People are like, oh, no, that. Because they wanted to see Tyron hurt. Yeah. And him battle back and then Wonder Boy hurt and him battle back. That's and that's just do. it's a crazy it's it's people it's I feel like people are trying to still bring keep it a blood sport. Just, they want to just, keep it that way. It's just the casuals, man. It's the people that don't understand the actual events that are yeah. taking place. When yeah. Izzy's setting up Jared up and he's moving and, and, and outpointing him and striking him. Look, if Jared wanted to get wild and crazy, Izzy yeah. probably would have knocked him out. But Jared fought the way he should have fought, and Izzy fought the way he should have fought, fought, and the better man won. Yeah. And that's what prize fighting is all about. That's Absolutely. what it's about. Absolutely. If you're if you want to like ruin your brain for a bunch of people that don't give a fuck about you when you lose, exactly. Good luck. Go oh. go go try that. <laughs> it's a dumb way to live your life. It's a dumb way to live your life. Yeah. You're supposed to fight the correct way. And yes. sometimes it's exciting, like the Polo Costa fight. That shit's exciting. The first Robert Whitaker fight. That shit's exciting. Yeah. But this is the same problem that Anderson Silva had when yeah. Anderson was in his prime. Is that like some guys would fight him in a very cautious way and people would say, well, he should have pushed the action. No, that's not what you do. Yeah. You don't open yourself up just because the other guy's not doing anything or, yeah. or turn into a brawl because people are booing, that's dumb. Trevor Trevor touches on that, and Trevor, uh, and I, he said that to me the first between the first time I fought Masvidal, right after the fight, because I remember I was just so mad at myself because I felt that I could have done better. I dominated the whole fight. You know, but I was just like, no, that guy wasn't as good as I. I made it up to be in my head. No, no way. I want to fight him again. And Trevor and I was just, I was upset with myself backstage. And Trevor was just like, bro, you're the fucking champion. You have to be the smart one here, because it took a lot of work for you to get here to the title, and it takes a lot of work to be able to be defend this title. You have to be the smarter guy. And I heard every word that he said, but the the dark Kermit, the gangster in me, was like, "What?" <laughs> dark Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> the gangster in me was like, "No, I gotta go again. I need to do what I did that second fight to Masvidal. I gotta do that. That's what I want. That's what the people want." That's what has to happen. And I think this is partially why the first Covington fight was the most satisfying one to me. And uh, it's weird because I actually, I like both guys. I do like Covington and I do like uh, Masvidal to where I'm, I'm almost People would be surprised you say you like Covington after I, all those. I mean, as a, as a person, I never hung out with him as a person, so I wouldn't know how he is as a person. I know I've heard rumors, but, you know, because how he is 
his energy is with other people might not be how his energy is towards my energy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, until I experience that, it's hard for me to speak on it. But you know, as a as a athlete, as a competitor, and what he brings to the table, like I'm, I'm almost kind of like low key a fan, not really, you know, but. I admire what they're able to do. For you to talk that much shit and get your face broken too and still talk more shit after, like that takes, you know, a, a different person. Well, it's brin- brilliant know. marketing for him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know the whole story. Oh, he created that kind of character when the UFC was pushing him out. Yeah. They were saying, you're boring. You got to get out of here. And he was like, well, how about I try this? Yeah. <laughs> and no- nothing changed with his fighting style. He was always that dominant. Yeah. He was always doing that to guys. And it's just now he's got that stick behind him, and it it works. So more power to him. I, Greetings, you know. nerds and virgins. <laughs> I mean, you gotta fucking admire it. It's funny, man. I've hung out with him in real life at really? the comedy store. Yeah, he came to the comedy store one night. I he's he's a like, super nice guy. Super nice guy. Yeah. Polite, real friendly to people. Yeah. He's just not that guy at all. But it's like he's like, look, I had to do what I had to do, and he was explaining it. And he's like, they were gonna cut me. They 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 told me they were gonna cut me. And he's like. I didn't know what to do. It's like, I'm just going to start talking crazy shit. Yeah. And that's what he did. For me, though, the, the difference is, is I, I mean, he's a single guy. I don't I don't know if he has kids or not, but I, I, I do. And, like, for me to have to, my daughter now, she watches everything. Mm. She, she asks questions. Like, for me to have to explain that to her. Right, that it's not how daddy really not, is. Daddy, it's an yeah, act. Yeah, that I don't can, think. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Well, it's not your personality anyway. It's like, yeah. you don't, and also you don't have to. Like, yeah. you don't have to. You <laughs> dominated him despite that. It's like, you know, there's people that they they come up with a shtick. And you see, like, shticks are valuable. They I mean, are. look, Sugar Sean O'Malley is a wild guy to watch fight. I like He's him, very too. talented. Yeah. But part of why O'Malley's so popular is he's smart about his marketing. He talks a lot of crazy shit. He's got crazy colored hair. He's got all these tattoos. He pl- smokes a lot of weed, plays video games all the time. Puts it all out online. Puts yeah. all this content online. So there's way more eyeballs on any of his fights yeah. than they would be with you know like a regular guy. Yeah. No, I like him too and I, and yeah, that's the one thing that I noticed is he was very keen to that early in yeah. his career. To where he is able to do that. Because there's some killers out there that don't get their shine. Like Rachmanov, Shavkat Rachmanov. That guy's a fucking killer. And nobody's talking about him. But then you've got certain people in that weight class like Hamzat who talks crazy shit. I kill them all. I kill everybody. And like everybody wants <laughs> that to was pay a good attention. Impression. Not bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone. I mean, there's another tough. Uh, what's his name? Sean Brady. Another oh, tough Sean kid. Brady's a bad motherfucker. Yeah, tough kid in the He's division. A excellent grappler. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of good guys. Jeff Neal. Oh yeah, Jeff know. Neal's back. Jeff Neal's back. That He's... was big, man. Knocking out Vicente Luque. That, that, was, yeah, big. that was big. That's big. That was hard to watch too. Ooh, you know, your training partner I, with Vicente. Yeah, I like I love both guys. You know, I've actually trained with both guys, but Vicente I trained with for a long time. Vicente is like a brother to me too. I, and it's watching that was just that one was really tough. It was me. bittersweet, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's also for me. It's nice to see Jeff Neal back in form because I was Jeff Neal like when he that knocked dude. out Mike Perry. I was yeah. like, that guy is the dark horse of the division. Like he is so technical and so clean, and the way he lands his strikes is so efficient. And like 
he's someone to watch. And then he had a, a, a rough time of it for a while, like yeah. where it didn't really. And he had some personal issues, and it, it just seemed like he kind of lost his focus. But now it looks like it's a hundred percent back. Yeah, and he's calling. Who was he? He, he called. He called someone out earlier. Was mm. it Covington or was it Burns or someone? He called someone out. I don't know who it was. And um, I was like, yeah, that's not a bad fight. So yeah. is it Gilbert is scheduled to fight someone, is right? He? I don't think so. Why did I hear? I know that? they were. He he was. I mean, Masvidal was going back and forth. They that's right. That, that fight and that is a great fight. I, I think that's I don't a know great if that's, fight. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's for sure because I I'm hearing now like all this week they were saying oh Masvidal is pushing to to fight Leon Edwards for the title. I'm like that doesn't really make sense. But if I was you know. Leon, I'd be like, <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> You punched me in the face four or five years ago. Yeah, I, heard shit I from think you. that. Oh, that's what it was. Is him and and DC got into yes. it. They were going back and forth because I think DC. Uh, I think he called for the Masvidal fight and saying, "Oh, he." Will. I think they asked Leon, "Would you fight Masvidal?" And Leon's like, "I mean, yeah, if the opportunity is there, but you know, I've been wanting to fight this guy for three years, and he right. just ignored me and, and and said that I was a nobody. But now, out of the woodwork, he wants to fight me." And then I think DC had commented and said, uh, if I was Leon, I would just completely ignore it, this guy, because that's what he did to you. He ignored you when he could have fought you. You guys were both in a certain situation where you could fight each other. But now that, you know, you are the champion, he wants another crack at the bell. So he, of course, he wants to fight you now. And so I think that's what Masvidal and his camp got upset with. And they started going at DC. And DC did the most savage shit, I think, <laughs> to do. And he posted a picture of his titles stacked up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember saying, I was just like, well, the argument's over. You can't really say shit to that. I mean, he bought, I think he had, what, like seven world titles just all stacked up on the table. <laughs> and he posted a picture of it. I was like, yeah, I mean, what do you, you can't argue back with that. And he's got his Hall of Fame jacket. You There's can't argue with those that. Those guys that are so close. Yeah. They're so close. And Masvidal's one of those guys. They're yeah. so close. Masvidal. So close. Covington. Yep. So close. Uh, Wonder Boy. So close. Yep. Perfect examples. There it is. Oh, shit. That's just <laughs> savage. That's... <laughs> those are the old school belts, too. Do you oh, like yeah. the old ones or the new ones? New ones. Do you have an old one, too? No. You got the one that was the I new? I was the first one to get the new oh, one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. The first Walter way. I think Henry Cejudo was the first guy to get it, and I think I fought after Henry Cejudo. I look at the old one now, and it looks kind of cheesy. Yeah. I used to think the new one, like, what is this? Yeah, like, that's don't exactly like change. how I feel. Like, exactly. What is this new thing? Exactly how I but felt. But now I look at the new one, I'm like, that's a better looking belt. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And just the different elements that are in the belt, the I different things jewel that are in there. Yeah. For each time you defend your title i'm i'm wondering what what are they gonna do when i get the belt back do hmm. they do they give me a new belt maybe you or... get one different kind of jewel that's in there <laughs> like <laughs> you get one gray jewel like now they're all red they're all the rubies <laughs> right but, like do i you get an opal yeah all something. rubies and something well this one's kind of fucked up but yeah but because of it i got better you know it's it's hard for me because i i you know i like a lot of guys. Yeah. And sometimes two guys I like. Like, I like Leon a lot. He's yeah. great. He's he's I a like fantastic guy. Yeah. So it's hard when you watch a guy you like beat another guy you like. It it puts you in that, that weird place. Yeah. That, you know? That, uh, Habib and, and Michael Johnson, well, that one was a tough mm. one. 
because yeah. Mike was my guy. I was Mike's training partner, but I, I liked Habib too, and I like being around him and how he stands because he thinks, you know, like he's the same on the same experience, like mental, how he thinks and how he approaches the fights. And I'm just like, oh yeah, this guy's it's gonna be hard to deal with. And then watching him fight Michael Johnson, it's just like, oh man, that was a tough one to watch. Habib said he wouldn't even come back for a grappling match. Did you see that? Yeah. They offered him money to grapple. Why? And he's like, nope. Why? He's done. And I think the fact that we're continuing, if he's anything like me, the fact that people are continuing to ask him makes it easier for him not to come back. What if, let's go to the what if bucket. Okay. What if Charles Oliveira beats Islam Makachev? Yeah. What happens then? Then he fights. The what if he Justin submits him someone. and he calls out Khabib? calls him out Khabib's is, just gonna there it makes it easy it makes it easier for Khabib to say no first of all I don't think he gets down to 155 ever again really no, no he's way so in big hell. right now he's big he's a light heavyweight <laughs> no way in hell he gets down to and he's a solid light heavyweight like he's holding down light heavyweights and submitting them that really? he's, a, he's a bear he's like a short stocky bear right now yeah there's no way he gets back down to 155 how no did he way. gain so much weight I think he just let his body grow into it. You know, you hold it down for so long, right. and then when you let go, it just grows. Like, look at Anthony Johnson. He was making 170. And then he went up to heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> and he was knocking people dead. Yeah, he just let yeah. it. He was solid there, too. So, you know, I think it's just you. you once you let your body go, there, how it is, just grows. How is that. Rumble doing? Because I, I heard he had a health scare. Like yeah, something. he had a health scare, and it's it's he has good days and bad days. You know, what is but it? But he's still there. I, we don't know. You know, maybe they're saying maybe from the years of maybe weight cuts and you know oh, maybe other different thing? things, and and you know I don't want to speculate on it because I I don't know the whole file of everything, right. but right. I know uh, you know he has good days, and then some days he has some bad weeks. That motherfucker so, hits so hard. Anthony Johnson was one of the mo the purest athletes I've ever seen because he had the feet in, of, a, of a lightweight and the power of a heavyweight and he carried it all the way through so it's you know I, I praying for him and I, I hope he he's, he gets better how um, long has he been dealing with this over a year because I know he fought in Bellator won in Bellator had that great yeah. come from behind then victory yeah and then it just and then he just happened mm. Yeah. When he knocked out Glover DeShera with one punch, I was like, God damn. Did you see the tooth fly? Yes. That, I mean, that's that's a scary power. And I, I had to spar him. I sparred him a few times. <laughs> I have video of me sparring Anthony a few times. And Anthony is one of those guys that doesn't go soft. Oh, he doesn't know how to go soft. Lots of And fun. his big ass would wear 14-ounce gloves, too, at sparring. And it, it was like... And I remember we'd complain. We'd tell Henry, like, why the why is he wearing fourteen ounce gloves? He should be wearing twenties. Like, there's no way he should be wearing fourteens. But he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna touch. I'm just gonna touch with you. Get the fuck no, out of here. No, he doesn't touch. He's got he's touching you with canned hams. Yeah, he's got these. Oh yeah. Fucking giant hammers for fists. Yeah. He um, hit so hard, man. He, he was just such a dangerous guy. Because at any mistake you make, it just takes one from him. Yeah. I mean, he, he knocked out everyone he was knocking out. He knocked out Gustafsson. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, in Sweden. In Sweden, which, you know, we love to do that. We love to go into 
someone's country and like England and silence. Yeah, like England. Is that and what you're looking forward arena. to? Yeah, I'm looking forward. To, I'm, I'm. It's almost like a new. It's a new challenge. It's almost mm. like a new thing now for me to get excited about. Before it was you now you got to make up things. Oh, you fight in Salt Lake City against Leon Edwards. You, you've already fought. You beat. Okay. How to get excited for it. Now this one's exciting. There's a lot of stake now. Now you're fighting for the belt. Now you're 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 in their country, which honestly, I think I'm gonna have more fans in this country than he will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's Are no that's no knock. That's no knock on Leon. You know, I like Leon. I really do. Uh I it's half of England is Africa. You know. And and I have there's a lot of Nigerians in England, a lot of Nigerians, and and he knows that a lot of Nigerians, a lot of Jamaicans. But I think I will be well represented in England. Do you think there's more Nigerians than there are Jamaicans? I don't know, but I would think so. I would think there's more West Africans than there are, which Jamaicans are West Africans. Yeah, you know, I would. But think, also, he lives there. Yeah, and he's the first champion that really. Trained honestly, his entire career there. True, but I, I don't think, and I don't think he's he's been getting the love that he should have been getting. Well, I up and yeah, you know there was I that mean, problem with the two years where you know during the pandemic and even now flight, after winning the title, canceled. You don't think he's getting the love no, now? He won the title and got to the airport. I think maybe to, you know I was told maybe twenty people there. Really? He should have had a parade. I would have thought there would have been a bigger reception. Exactly. Especially the way he won. Exactly. I would have thought that too. But it was like 20 people there, his family. Really? Yeah, I would have thought he had a per Like, you have a per They have to shut down the airport. It should be Leon Edwards Day. It should be. You just yeah. got the title from Kamaru Usman. It should be Leon Edwards Day. Yeah. You know, so, you know, more, I mean, I, I, I hope he does get it. But, you know, to do something that he's, that to do what he's done, what he just did, to come from where he's come from and, and stay in England and, and yeah, and I don't care how he did it, he did it. Yeah, you know I I would that's kudos to him and and what he is stands for, you know that victory because he's now he's intertwined with the inner city and helping kids and you know stay out of the gang life and things of that nature. So it's commendable and I and I'm I'm glad for him for what that you know being able to achieve that. You know, but in in my head, it's not like I feel like I'm a loser. No, I know I'm the best in the world, and when given that opportunity again, I I will prove that. But I'm glad he's you know getting the things and doing what he's doing right now. That's a great attitude. Yeah, I'm that's a great attitude. As yeah. long as you get that second shot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that's no the logical fight. What am I going to beat up Covington again? Right. Masvidal again. Like what is there's no logical other fight for you. No. For him, the only fight that would make any sense marketing wise, I could see you could say the Masvidal fight. Masvidal, yeah. If you couldn't fight in time and they offered him a headliner fight and Masvidal took it, I kinda could see where that would maybe. But I don't think they would but risk even with the that, rematch. Even with that, I would give it to Covington first. If we're gonna be logical about mm. the order of things, right? I would give it to. But if we just don't give a shit, we don't care. Then yeah, that I don't makes think sense. They give a shit. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think they just try to make the most amount of money. I think you know, so too. What, what can you sell the most? For sure, you and him are the biggest fight. I, I, for sure, for in sure. England? That in England, oh, absolutely. I mean, for the title, legit, because that makes sense legitimately yes. for the title. Yes. 
Tell, yeah, absolutely. That's the legitimate fight. Yeah. Especially because you're one of the most dominant champions ever. And so for you Thank to you, lose that way and then to rematch <sighs> for the title in England... That shit is going to be bonkers. I'm going yeah. over there, bitches. <laughs> you I'm heard flying Jamie. to England. You heard him. I told John Anik I would right after the fight. I, I'm yeah. fucking going. I'm fucking going. We got to go. We have to go to England. Let's go. Let's go to England. Yeah, it's Let's gonna do it back. Wembley Stadium. That is going to be wild. God, if not Wembley, damn. some other stadium. They got to find crazy. And I know Dana said he, we're looking at all options here. Because people are going to come from oh, all yeah. over the world. I think that, that might sell out in 15 minutes. Yeah, that might sell out quick. And then gonna, they'll probably have some big fights on the undercard, too, because that's going to be a big one. Oh, that's yeah. a big coming out party for the UK. Yeah. Big UFC, UF, UK fight. Did even When Bisping was champion, did he? No, he lost it on the first defense, wasn't it? Didn't he fight Dan Henderson over there? I think he yeah, defended he fought Dan, against but I don't Henderson. Think he, did no, yeah. I don't think that was for a title because I don't Deuce, think Dan Henderson's ever fought for a title. I think he did. Did he? Yeah. I think he beat Henderson for the title. Bisping. I think that was the rematch, right? Is that true? Manchester, England. Yeah. Bisping versus Henderson 2 was for October 8, 2016, Manchester Arena. But was that well, after he won the title? I don't think that was for the title. I no, think I think this was it was. I think he won the title in 2015, if I remember correctly. World yep. Walter. Yeah, it yeah. was. World so, Middleweight Championship. World Middleweight Championship, yeah. yeah. So that was for the title. Okay. Henderson fought for the title twice because he fought Anderson, too. Remember Anderson lit him up under Christmas tree. Anderson? Really? Bro, that was prime time super ninja Anderson. Yes. Yeah, pull up uh, Anderson versus Dan Henderson. Bro. Where was I for that? Bro. Anderson was on fire. This was when Anderson was in his fucking full prime. Oh, yeah, you could tell. You could tell. He was oh, so good. That's the thing with Anderson. When he starts doing this bop that, that and this shuffle, hop. Yeah, the shuffle and yeah. moving back and forth. Yeah. He was so good. And reckless, too. Oh, my God. Reckless. He had re- full yeah. regard for his chin, full, yeah. full confidence in his chin. He actually wound up strangling Henderson. He beat his ass, and then Ooh. when he got him on the ground, he took his back and strangled him. Yeah. But it's because he hurt he him on the care. feet. Look, he did Well, he stood right in front of you and let you swing punches at him because he had so much confidence in his ability to take a shot, too. Bro, and, that was Dan Henderson's yeah. shot to you. Oh. I know. Dan Henderson was scary. Yeah. He was another guy. I mean, he knocked out Fedor. Dan Henderson knocked out, <laughs> knocked out Fedor, at, who was a fucking heavyweight. Yeah. Which is so crazy. So he gets his back, and then he went like uh, bone of the forearm across the trachea. So he went like gable grip behind the back. Oh. See, like, like there, that's how he gets him, yeah. right there. So he wound up finishing it uh, palm to palm like that, right there. Yeah. Bam. He got him. That was prime Anderson. People forget. <sighs> People who are fans who d- yeah. didn't become a fan until recently, go back and watch the Anderson Silva era. Oh, yeah. Because Scary. when he knocked out Vitor with that front kick to the face, <sighs> nobody was front kicking people in the face before that. No. And then it became a thing. Yeah. Like he changed MMA. That, and then Machida did it. Yep. Machida did it with Randy Couture. Yeah. And then quite a few people have done it since then. Marlon Vera did it with uh, Frankie Edgar. Yeah. Marlon. That was Michael Chandler one. did it to mm-hmm. Ferguson. Oh, that one was crazy. That one was crazy. See the close-up of Ferguson's oh, face. Oh, 
Those close-ups of him and Frankie while the foot is on the, the yeah. face, those are terrible. Don't show those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are mean. Nobody should see those fucking pictures, man. Imagine your kids have to see you looking that's like the some world. That's elf. the world we live in now. Yes. You know, fucking miserable people are gonna they they mm. close up that picture and then save it as their avatar. Mm. <laughs> oh, they do, and then they text you all day. Oh yeah, they send you DMs all day with oh, your yeah. face all yeah. fucked up, yeah. These motherfuckers. Yeah, I've gotten a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest meme that I've seen was the um, the Rick James. And remember the Dave Chappelle show? Yeah. When uh, Charlie Murphy story, when yeah. he's talking about how he kicked Rick James yes. in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, and they said this was uh, what Leon said to to Usman, oh. and oh, I died, I yeah. died laughing. It was hilarious. There's some funny people out there, oh. man. Funny haters. They're quick. They're yeah. quick. <laughs> They're so quick. The night of fights, yeah, like that night, they, the memes are out of control. The, they're on the computer. They're yeah. waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. Oh, it's happening! Here we ah, go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of energy. But you feel like I almost feel like I, I get the fact that you're getting a lot of laughs, but you don't know how talented you are. Like if you can come up with something like this, yeah. you you should be like a professional. Like, yeah, you, this should be what you do for a living. Like you're oh, really funny. They're, they're 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 good with it. They're really <laughs> good with it. Really good, scary good. Well, I think with MMA's the highs are so high and yeah. the lows are so low, and they know the lows are so low, yeah. so they go after you when you're down. Yeah, they're like, oh, he used they to do. be on. He used to be shredded on top of the cage, flexing. Yeah, and now he's out cold. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, let me brush off my meme fingers. And it's some guys, some fat guys. Yeah. In front of his cat, like oh, knocking yeah. the Cheeto dust off. But that's the thing is, I, I I would say the biggest, the biggest thing that I've learned, the way I've grown the most is not being affected by by that. That's good as much. Yeah, you know, not it's 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 almost it's almost impossible to say I'm not going to be affected at all. Yeah, but at with that, the thing is to affected. just avoid it. This is the advice I give to fighters, but it's also the advice I give to comedians too. Yeah. You don't want to be reading mean shit. Yeah. Because you can't even respond to it. Yeah. So, like, you want to, no, no, like, no. you want to, like, respond. You can't respond. You're like, hey, fuck you, too. You want to, but yeah. you can't. So, what, what are you going to do? You're going to read something that you can't respond to? For what? What information are you getting out of that? Nothing. Do you, don't you know human nature? Yeah. You know, by the time you reach 30 years old, don't you fucking understand people? Kind of? Yes. Yeah. Well, know that there's going to be people out there that just, like, they're anonymous and they just want to hate on you. Don't take that in. No, I, I, that's the biggest thing is um it's like you gotta let that's their job yeah that's their, their job their is to job. fuck with you yeah, yeah. it's their <laughs> that is their job your job is to be great and yes their job is to if fuck you're with doing you. your job then they don't that's, have shit that then they're just they're like fuck what they do, don't have shit what do i do i just waiting i'm waiting for my moment i'm waiting for yeah. my moment you know and if That's you're doing do. their job, then they go after Masvidal. Yeah. Like when you knocked out Masvidal, then they poke fun oh, at him. Oh man, they were yeah. they they said some, and I didn't even same thing. I didn't really even read the one meme that um, well, it wasn't really a meme. It was well, yeah, the, it was a meme. It was the one that I I saw and I actually liked is Masvidal did this interview where he was like he was saying something to me. He was saying like, oh. Usman just doesn't possess. God didn't bless him with the the macho-ness to be able to put someone to sleep. And he said that. And and why he was saying that, and they had like the split screen, they had the, the video of me 
just sleeping them. And that one, I was like, hmm. That was such a clean punch, that too. Was, that was and one. to land it on a guy like Masvidal, who's such a crafty striker, he's so skillful. I, we set Very him up. Very slick. And that was the thing with Trevor, is, is such a mastermind, is how we, we set him up and just delivered. And, and when it, I did the same thing in the first round that I did in the second. The same setup and how I, I got him there. But it was just, he was expecting something different in the second. Mm. And he just didn't, it was just, I just sent the missile to his head and he didn't even see it. Such based a on how I set punch. him up. Such a perfect but, punch. You know, and I wanted to I wanted to do that again. <laughs> Look at that. But Leon Edwards said, nope. <laughs> 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 so somewhere around February, you think? February, March. Anyway, I don't care. I'll be ready. I was bored last week. I wanted to, I was so bored. I wanted to train. I wanted to do something. Maybe you could use like, this as a time to go get them needs shot up with stem cells somewhere. I'm, I'm doing it all. I'm going to get it shot up. When we leave here, I'm going go to Go to Paris. Columbia. Go to like Bio Accelerator. Or, you know, go to one of those places where they could do illegal shit. Yeah. Well, I, Just, I don't want illegal shit. It's not, Usada, you heard him. I didn't say it. I don't mean it. <laughs> illegal in terms of cheating. I mean well, the amount of stem best, cells they can pump in you yeah, for healing. Yeah, that's... That's one. That's yeah. I have gone to Colombia. Have you? I was, yeah, that was uh, maybe four or five years ago. I went to Colombia. Oh, maybe now. And, um, maybe get back there. No, for sure. Time. Stem cells, for sure. I'm gonna do stem cells again. Um, definitely, just try to prolong this as much as possible. You know, and I'm doing everything I can. You know, I'm I'm trying to spend the time and money on my recovery. You know, making sure that I'm I'm healthy. I'm I'm warmed up before and, and stretching after and getting some physical therapy, some body work done. So I'm doing it all. And, of course, it supplements, you know, as far as the, you know, turmeric and the ginger and the different things that the natural herbs that you can put in your body to help reduce those inflammations. I'm doing. And, you know, I used to say, oh, man, maybe a couple more fights and I'm done. But, you know, with the newfound <laughs> hunger that Leon has sparked, it's like... Uh, we'll do this for you. Do this a little bit more. Let's how long do you longer. think? How long do you think? If you had a guess, I would say I don't know. I w this is this was my roadmap. It was what was the roadmap? My roadmap was beat Leon in the way that I wanted to, and go to two hundred five, beat your uh, Prohaska, defend with Jan, come back down, defend with Hamza. Jesus. And then if Connor wanted to, or if Canelo at that point wanted to, then do one and just sell off and just say, you know what? Why did you want to go you. all the way to light heavyweight? Just because Israel's at 85? Yeah. Israel's at 85. I, I, I don't want to, you know, that I, I don't take any pleasure in fighting Israel. I, of course. You know. But no but, one else at 85? Like if Israel retired, or yeah, if Israel retired, one hundred percent. Because two hundred five is a big jump. It's a big jump, but I I think I have the style, and I have the 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 mental ability to be able to handle those guys. Well, not those guys. I don't want to say those guys. Not everybody there. Couple of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of those guys, and they happen to be the guys that are at the top. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I could, I could deal with Yuri and I could deal with Jan. You know, not saying they're not great. They're, they're scary. They're fucking big, scary guys, which is, is kind of what makes it also 
tempting for me because mm. they are scary. It's like you get to a certain point where you're looking for new scary things to do that to kind of, you know, keep, keep you alive, motivated. keep you motivated. And, so and now yeah. you have a new roadmap, though. Yeah, I have a new roadmap. But now the roadmap. Now, so let's imagine just you go stop. back. Now I got to run Leon back. I got to run that one back. Let's imagine that fight takes place. Yeah. You win the world title back. Yeah. Do you think... What do you think happens after that? Well, we have to see what happens with Hamzat and Nate Diaz. I think Hamzat and Nate Diaz, I, I don't know. You I can't still, sleep honestly, on Nate Diaz. No, absolutely not. You can't. But it's 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 just it's kind of like a fight. It's a bizarre fight. It's a bizarre fight. It's a bizarre fight that doesn't really make sense. Well, Nate asked for Francis Ngannou. <laughs> I know. That's more bizarre. That. That's more bizarre. <laughs> you know, what Nate. if I would, if I was Dana, I was okay, you want that? Fine. Francis, yeah. you want it? All right, let's do it. Nate, what do you weigh? <laughs> he weighs 180. Like 180. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's only giving up 80 pounds. What's the yeah. big deal? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, that's ridiculous. It, it's bizarre, but that's Nate. Hey, we'll see. It's he's Nate. He's a wild fella. And he's you can't count fella. him out. But I mean, even after that, I, I still think, you know, it's hard to just say, Hamza, you got to jump Gilbert Burns. Right. You jump Masvidal. You well, jump. Well, he beat Gilbert. But you know, seeing him versus Masvidal, Masvidal. That, now that fight Kobe, I could get behind more than e maybe even the Nate fight. Masvidal 100%. versus Hamza, ooh, I like that fight a lot. I like that fight a lot. That's interesting. I think what's more interesting is is him versus Covington. Mm. Hamza versus Covington. Think very how, interesting. How, that's the ultimate test. Yeah, yeah. Because that's your gatekeeper. Covington does everything. Yeah, he. I'm, I'm for lack of a better word, and no, by no disrespect, you know, with all due respect, I mean no disrespect, Covington. <laughs> <laughs> you can say no disrespect uh, because you beat him twice. <laughs> with respect. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, like it, it's Covington. You got to well, get past Covington. Most people have said before the Leon fight that if it wasn't for you, he yeah. would be the champion. Of the I world. agree. He's that good. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I agree. He's got so much endurance, man. It's wild. And he weaponizes it. Yeah, it, he pushes a fucking crazy pace. And you saw it in the the Woodley fight was one of the best examples. Yeah, like he just. But put even it that. On but him. even that fight, he didn't really push the pace. He didn't push because he could do it more with yeah with with Woodley. Think about Woodley and Robbie Lawler, which mm -hmm. I love Robbie too. But look at the the pace that he put on. Yeah, like oh that's my God. he threw over. I think he set the record for most punches thrown in that fight. Like just kept throwing punches, kept taking them down, just and kept doing. DC it. says he's always been like that. He says he's always yeah. had this crazy gas tank. It's like I've a heard. genetic thing. Yeah, I've heard he. he re I mean, I, and I discipline. I think genetic, but I think a lot of it goes to the discipline. Yes. You know, because a lot of people now that get gassed, they don't necessarily know they can deal with it. Yeah. In their mind, they feel like they can't and they get tired, you know, because they don't push themselves in a certain way. But I do think it's it's mental, how he's mentally embraced it and pushed and pushed and pushed himself. Because for me, that's what it is. I, I, I don't run. You know, I do all the different things. I roll I, and I bike and I do what I can to try to get that that same thing. But it's not the same as running, you know. But think running still, is the ultimate cardio for me. I I, just, I love running. It's to where it's running is so so good to where you. There's even a thing called runner's high. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I've I felt that a few times because I ran cross country when I was in middle school and 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 that's where I really developed a run for a uh, passion for running you know running nothing when you run in and you just get in that zone and you're just going 
it's maybe when you're done fighting, they'll give you some new knees. Yeah, screwing some of them new jammies. I'm definitely getting new ones. (laughs) (laughs) If they don't weigh me down for sure, I'm definitely getting new ones. Oh, they're gonna have new ones by the time you're done that are probably way better than the ones they even have now. You know, like I told you, Matt Sarah just got his knees done, and you said your Mm, mom did, and my mom did. She got her knees done. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild now. You've seen people walk around with fake knees and they have no pain. Bisping, Bisping's got both both of his knees done. Really? Yeah, Bisping has two fake knees. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he knocks on him like tap, tap, tap. They sound weird. Wow. But yeah, he runs now. Bisping runs. He kicks the bag. Everything. Oof. These new knees are wild. Like it just gives me. Yeah, I know. Cringe. He's thinking about that. Well, they say they're gonna have to replace him in twenty years. But I mean, but they were gonna have to do something new in twenty years anyway if you're yeah. gonna work out. Look. With the evolution of man, just the way that we're we're changing things and growing things. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I think also biologics are going to advance to a point where they're going to be able to regenerate tissue in a way that they're not going to have to replace your knee. They're oh, just yeah. going to be able to regenerate all that cartilage tissue, have you seen, meniscus. Have you seen that printer that can print that is printing printing anything? Yes, that's wild. Yeah, that's scary. It's crazy. That's super scary. They're going to be able to replace replace your arm one day. Like you lose an arm in a car accident, they'll just replace your arm. That was like in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, hurry up now. Well, listen, Kamaro, you are uh, a fantastic representative of everything that's excellent about mixed martial arts. You really Thank are. You, you, your character, the way you win, the way you lose, the way you discipline yourself, the way you fucking, you're just always on top of everything, man. And uh, I love the way you've handled this, the, the loss. And, you know, it's like you handle, you're a champion in victory just like you're a champion in defeat. You really are. You, you handled it great. Thank you, Joe. And I can't that. wait to see that rematch. I can't wait either. It's going to be amazing. You know, Leon, I'll see you soon, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, brother. Thanks for being Thanks, here. Joe. Bye, everybody. Bye.